This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're watching The Dorkening. Stay tuned. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! mission to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. I can't get over this. So the only thing left to say, of course, is the one obvious thing. Excelsior! Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. There's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds coffee is my guilty pleasure. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. The Dorkening and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. Hey, hey, happy Tuesday, everybody. You're watching Splash Pages, powered by The Dorkening. My name's Leo. I'm the monkey behind the keyboard here. We have a killer guest tonight. So uh, you may know our guest. He's The Flash in Justice League Action, Batman Unlimited, uh superman the animated series uh he's also on lego batman uh tons of stuff and uh you may know him as ferris bueller as well and uh we'd like to welcome the most awesome charlie schlatter how's it going sir it's going good man how are you doing doing great doing great and uh we also how, have us let oh, me just sorry, ask you ahead. really quickly how's our how's our connection is it good you're good uh, Yep. Yep. Okay. Good. Because I'm I'm hearing you guys like a little fuzzy, but it might just be me because I I own a lot of cheap equipment that I like to record on for professional purposes. <laughs> uh, no worries. No worries. I I have a secondary audio okay, recording going here, so uh, everything perfect. sounds perfect. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we also have Velvet Joker. How's it going, bud? What's up, guys? Hey, it's your man, Rich Davis, a.k.a. Velvet J, here on another Tuesday on the award-winning Splash Pages Comic Book Club podcast. And yes, we do have a great show. We just came back from a victorious visit at Rhode Island Comic Con, and now here we are slamming it again with the great Charlie Schlatter, uh, who's had quite a career, and we hope to unwind some of those stories tonight. Yeah, totally. Uh, we, we definitely need to get him to talk about George Burns. But before we get into that, uh, Mr. Drew, how's it going? Drew's too big for this, man. He's out. It's <laughs> like, nice. uh, our pages. Our, the guy that we have, he's great. He's, you know, he was. He, sorry, he, sorry, Drew. We we didn't mean to bother you, but yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. Uh, and uh, the man that is his own uh, light source, Mr. Brandon Powers. How's it going? Listen, if I were not wearing the hat, it would be even worse because <laughs> this thing is woo, like no. It's all right, Lex. No. Just the, it's the opposite of a solar panel. It just bounces light back. Uh, yeah, hey everyone. I'm I'm Brandon Powers, aka Powerful Brandon. Um, you know, just uh, here because these gentlemen asked me to come on over and partake in uh, in the fun and 
to to be able to talk with Charlie Schlatter tonight, and this is this is going to be a blast, I think. Oh totally. hell yeah, totes. Yeah, I uh, just want to give everybody a heads up. If you uh, post a comment, uh, I might not see it because we have you going through a couple different sources here. So uh, head on over to the YouTubes or the Facebooks if uh, your comment doesn't come through. Yes, sir, Drew. So I, I want to start off with a, a, a question for our guests. Since we weren't recording when we were already talking, and everyone, you missed a wonderful analysis about why West Coast bagels and pizza just do not compare to East Coast, um, which, true story, Um so, Charlie, I just have one question because I noticed something when I was looking at research for you. So your original break in acting was when you were younger, when you auditioned for Oliver Twist to impress a girl, supposedly. So that was funny enough. That was the first play I ever auditioned for myself. Oh, so I thought yeah. that was interesting. So I have to ask, was she impressed? Because you got the lead, man. You were Oliver Twist. So I was Oliver so. I got the lead. We got the girl for about a week. And then, you know, you know, she saw right through that veneer. She's like, all right. She didn't want more. She didn't want more. <laughs> she said, she said, please, sir. No, no more. No, 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 no more. more of your gruel, sir. <laughs> yeah, it got it got gruelish. Uh, no, in fact, it's so funny. I, I still know this girl. Her name is Ellen Decker. You know, and, um, my wife danced with her at like my 20 year high school reunion. She was adorable. She's the cutest thing ever. But yeah, I had zero. I had zero interest in being in any sort of play or acting or anything like that. But I had interest in Ellen Decker. And she says, oh, my God, be so cute if you were Oliver. And I said, OK, I'll go be Oliver. And so, uh, you know, you sing and you dance and you do your thing on stage and they're like, yeah, hey, we'll take that guy. So no one believes that story because they all think I'm gay. So they're like, there was no girl that you were, you know, anyway. That's actually true. Because I've done a lot of theater in my life and every once in a yeah. while someone's like, so Drew, you do, a lot of, you do a lot of theater and you know yeah. how to dance decently and you're friends with a lot of women or just something. I said, yes, my game is better than you. I don't know. Wait, hold on. So wait, wait, hold on. So what you're telling yeah. me is all the years that I was on stage and mm -hmm. even joined drama club in high school. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. You know, what? I'm starting to do the math on this and the lack of dates <laughs> I had is really starting to make sense. <laughs> Holy shit, Drew. Yeah. Yep. Wait, wait, Guys, Brandon, you Brandon, I was my eight years old. We've met you, Brandon. I, I'm not sure it was the theater. <laughs> Uh-oh. I would love, I would love for you to elucidate. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Backpedal real quick. I'm just fucking around. I'm sorry, Brandon. I'm sorry. You're so powerful. He, he will send the wife to get you, and she is the sweetest, most lethal Wolverine ever. So she'll go. Yeah, oh, she's I five foot one. She'll treat your knees like a speed bag. But I wish, listen, yeah. I wish that I was as tall as five foot one when I was in high school because, um, yeah, you know, and I did, I continued to do theater because it, it was like, I loved sports always. I was a big sports nut, um, but everyone kind of grew except me. And then this was just like the greatest place to be like socially, you know, and, and as a seventh grader, you're hanging out with the eighth and ninth graders in middle school. Um, and then that just carried on into high school and then into college where it just, uh, you know, I was doing a play in upstate New York at a, at a theater called the Hangar Theater and just mm -hmm. kind of got discovered, you know, discovered by a casting director. And 
basically my first audition out of the gate was for a movie called Bright Lights Big City and I got it that day and which was really weird and so I'm I'm really bad at giving advice to actors like hey how did you get started it's like I don't know man I just got plucked and you know but again I I always do tell people you want to be an actor you got to learn how to act you got to either do it you know in a, at an academic level or a, a you know a, an amateur level or whatever but you just have to do that and it's you know, preparedness meeting that situation. So yeah. I guess I was kind of ready at that time. Um, so yeah, I, I've been so lucky. Now, the, the Charlie Schlatter method is do it to impress someone. Because clearly, even if it's for a week, you'll nah, win. Never do it. Never do it for yourself. Never do it for those cathartic spiritual reasons. Now, nah, do it to impress the ladies. That's all that matters. <laughs> yeah, late, you know, exactly. Whatever works. All right, everybody. Of this method is out. This is how you get to work with Michael J. Fox on your first yeah. game. Okay? Yeah. You, you impress the girl, work your way, pay your dues, and there you go. You know? But it listen, it also, it, I think it also helps being his size at that time because I remember my agent had sent had sent me this audition. You know, uh, she said, do you want to audition for Bright Lights Big City? And I originally said, well, I just got done reading the book. And she said, you know, it's it's to play the the lead character's brother. She named the, the character. And I said, oh, that's the brother. And he's he's like really big. They describe him as a guy who fills a door frame. And she goes, well, you know, the lead is being played by Michael J. Fox. So I think you have a chance at this thing. So I said, sure. And and so I, I went into New York City like the next day and read with the casting director. And she said, that's lovely. Would you like to meet the director and read with him? And I said, yeah, that would be great. The director was Jim Bridges, a guy who's done just countless movies, Urban Cowboy, Paper Chase, just a, a brilliant, brilliant director. And so I read for him and he said, gosh, that, that's really nice. You want to read with Michael? And I said, OK. And then Michael came in. I read with him and, and he said, would you like to be in a movie? And I, of course, I said, OK. And then I was just in a movie. So that's how it happens. <laughs> nice. How, how was working with Michael J. Fox? Dude, he was honestly he was the best. It was like having a, a, a really kind older brother who was just awesome. I mean, he was just a really, really good guy. And, you know, he knew that it was my first show. Um, so he was really re respectful of that. And he never made me feel, you know, smaller than anybody uh, or less important than anybody. And he really was encouraging. He really, really liked me. Um, I remember we did a couple of scenes and we were coming back from, down from like upstate New York uh, we were doing scenes that were never sh were never in the movie. But anyway, it's me, him, and Tracy Pollan. We're in the car coming home, back to the hotel, the Mayflower on Central Park West, I think was the hotel. I don't remember, but I think that was it. Anyway, so he says, uh, you know, you come into Dailies tonight. And I had no idea. I don't know if you guys know what Dailies are. I had no idea what Dailies are or were. But Dailies are, you know, the 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 or the scenes that you shot the day before or whatever. So you all sit in a theater and you watch them. And so I said, yeah, of, of course I'm going to Daly's, Michael. I'll, I'll be there. Cut to, I'm in my hotel room looking for bars. I'm thinking it's a bar called Daly's, like near Central Park West. And, you know, lo and behold, there's like a, there were like a million bars named Daly's. And so I like was only able to get to like four of them. Um, you know, the cabs were so expensive. And uh, so anyway, I strike out, I go home and the next day I see him and I say, you know, and he's like, how come you went to Daly's? I said, honestly, I didn't know which one. And I was at a bunch. And so he kind of explained to me what Daly's were. 
anyway yeah dailies but i i'll tell you like when you're a kid from jersey and you're on the set and they were giving you like free apple juice and at the time i smoked so it was like hey how, you know do you want some cigarettes I was like yeah okay smoke marlboro red they gave me a carton of cigarettes it was like heaven it's crazy wow i arrived Apple juice. Yeah, that, that sounds like it would have been right up my alley at that point juice. in time too. I'm not gonna lie. Right, juice, Apple juice and Marlboro Reds. Sign me up. Yeah, and right you know there. what I bought with my uh, with my paycheck? I bought a Schwinn ten speed. That's what I bought with all that money I made. There you oh. go. Nice. There you go. <laughs> yeah, hey, Charlie. Um, a, a large part of your career has been voiceover work. Um, obviously yeah. as the Flash, but your very first voiceover was in a Captain Planet cartoon. No way. I was, you know, it's funny. I was just at a convention in Virginia, uh, this thing called NecoCon, and someone did ask me, they said, what was the first thing you did? And I think you're right. I think your research is correct. I think the first thing I did was that Captain Planet. And it was because um, I was already doing a, I think I might have already been doing a, either a TV show at the time, or maybe they just knew me from a movie or something. But yeah, that was like one of those straight offers. And I think they used to just kind of go out to, you know, celebrities or whatever, people who some people knew. And I guess I was in that category then. And uh, yeah, I played uh, Hoggish Greedley Jr., who was Ed Asner's yeah. son, you know, just just a big pig. Um, and so were you, were you nervous doing that, going into something like that. It was a totally different aspect of what you were used to. To, you know, to be honest with you, Rich, I, I think I, I think I was too young and stupid to ever be nervous about things. I really, you know, like nowadays, if you were to tell me, oh, you're going to do 18 again with George Burns with this, I would probably take a little bit more time to be scared. I think because I was just eager and wanted to do stuff. You know, I, I went out there and, and put a lot of that, that fear aside. So because I, I felt ready for it. Um, as mm -hmm. far as like the Captain Planet, you know, that was I, I kind of feel like that was just me alone in a room. So, you know, because a lot of times, you know, the, car the cartoons we do are basically recorded in a vacuum. They're like this. You know, you just sit there and record and you do it alone with the director and mm -hmm. you never really have any idea of what it looks like or sounds like until you see the final project. Um, and then I think one of the next things I did, though, was a little bit more nerve wracking. Um, because I, I wasn't really like actively auditioning for VO stuff. It's like just new cartoons were being made. And this was like, there was a show that came out as a competition to the Simpsons. Cause that had been on for like a year and was doing really well. So I think it was ABC who came out with this thing called fish police. Mm -hmm. And it was John Ritter. It was Joe Beth Williams, Jonathan Winters, Hector Elizondo, Tim Curry. Um, wow. uh, Pat Harrington was in it. Uh, who's the girl from, uh, uh, oh God, was it uh, Kramer versus Kramer? Joe, Joe Beth Williams was in it. Uh, Megan Mullally. My memory's pretty good, I have to say. And uh, Frank <laughs> Welker, who does everything. And anyway, so that was, you know, that was like the first time where we did like a radio play. So you had all these actors at Hanna-Barbera. And what was really cool about it, you would do it on a Sunday because that was the only day everybody had free. Everybody was really working on so many other things. So, you know, John Ritter was such a beautiful guy, such a I mean, honestly, you just want to hug that guy every time you saw him. Um, and he was so kind. But we had Jonathan Winters on the show and everyone was such a fan of Jonathan Winters. But Jonathan Winters was a little crazy and he would just tell like story after story after story. And granted, you have two hours 
to record this show. <laughs> and so, you know, and like two hours later, we haven't recorded anything because Jonathan Winters is still talking craziness, you know. And granted, it's really funny, but it's like we kind of have a show to do. But no one no one was old enough to go to him and say, hey, Jonathan, you know, no one had the balls to do that. So it work. But they did have the balls to let him go like three episodes later. They're like, John, we got to get to work. man. So anyway, and I think it was Frank Welker who was hired to like imitate Jonathan Winters for the rest of the series. I think we only did like eight or nine episodes of that thing before they pulled the plug. It was really bad, but uh, (laughs) it kind of it kind of was. It was a little silly, but, you know, it was fun in a way. The cast is just crazy. I'm looking at it now. Uh, and you mentioned a bunch of them, but like Phil Hartman. Oh, yeah. Uh, Phil Hartman did it. You're right. You're right. Robert Guillaume. Robert, oh, yeah. that's who it was. That's who I was just talking about. Talk about an elegant, elegant human being that when you're in his presence, like, oh, wow, this guy is just, he's the phantom. Nice. Straight up. Yeah. That's awesome. Buddy Hackett was in this. Yeah. Buddy funny. Hackett. Buddy Hackett was in it. I and I worked with him after that. On um, he did an he did an episode of a Diagnosis Murder, and I remember him telling me about like how he was doing some character in uh, Little Mermaid, and then he was trying to like sell his character to the producers to do a new show, and he was written a song and he started singing me the song, and it was just weird. <laughs> That's probably the nicest way to put it, too. Because yeah, yeah. like, you're like 30-something years old, and you're sitting there looking at a guy that you grew up with, and he's singing like a little fear, or whatever the hell he was. You're like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll see who I could talk to, buddy. <laughs> but he was a sweet guy. <laughs> oh, it, it just wavered. Weird. And it's just like, there has to be more to the story. You know, people just end with that, and he was weird. I'm like, <laughs> well, no, that's where I got to end it. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, okay. What was it? What but was I listen. I and to be, I've been lucky, man. I've worked with like so many. I don't know what it is about me. Maybe people just think, or it's, since I'm 20, that I'm like this old man inside. But every I've worked with so many older guys, from George Burns to Dick Van Dyke, you know, and Red Buttons. Hal Otis was in that thing, and even I got to work with Andy Griffith and and Harvey Corman with Tim Conway. Um, so like. Legend. I have, yeah, and yes, Mm -hmm. but and that's like the honestly, like, well, you know, to me, I'm still like this guy who just grew up loving these guys, and so even like six years into being on Diagnosis Murder, I would sit there in a chair, like next to Dick Van Dyke, and it would be just strange that I'm in this room with him. Like, what is? How did this happen? Um, And so I did. I really. I understood. I think I went through my whole career so far being really appreciative. And especially, and I just realized this recently, I think one of the greatest things about doing that um, 18 Again movie with George Burns was that, yes, I was a 21-year-old kid who got to work with this living legend um, who I grew up with. But more importantly, it was a guy that my parents and my grandparents really loved and respected. So, like, that's kind of a gift to my family to say, I'm working with this guy that you love. Um, you know, not just like some new up and coming guy or whatever that no one's heard of. Um, I'm working with him. And then again, same thing. I remember the day I got to tell my grandfather that I was working with Dick Van Dyke. And he said, Charlie, you're working with a real legend over there. You know, he was like really excited about me working with Dick Van Dyke. So mm-hmm. I am. I'm, I believe me, I know 
how fortunate I am. I mean, I, I grew up watching 18 again. Uh, that was a staple of my childhood. Uh, I, I watched it ad nauseum as a Aww. kid. <laughs> and uh, I actually remember when Ferris Bueller came out on TV on NBC. And You're the my, one. Yeah, I'm the one guy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, that's, that's, I, I remember standing and, and saying, hey, that's that's the kid. From 18 again. And the thing is, my father had raised me on a lot of older comedies. So I was well aware of who George Burns and Red Buttons were. Right. As Mm -hmm. a youngin. And uh, as as fate would have it, uh, I did not know that I was going to be here talking with you. But I just repurchased 18 again two weeks ago and sat down and watched it with my wife. And as I was going through, I was like, Holy crap. Like I'm surprised at what I remember and don't from this movie. Does it and, does uh, it hold up as a movie? Does it still hold up or I think it does. Especially yeah. especially because in I, I mean this we I saw all of the body swap movies that came out in the late 80s yeah. as a, as a child. Yeah, and a big, I can Yeah, it was yeah. it was there was about 5 or 6 of them. Um I remember, and it, it does hold up insofar as this, I remember it having the most fun watching 18 again. And I think part of that was because you in it were allowed to be the character that George Burns was inhabiting, and you were able to play to that. And there wasn't that that sort of like awkward comedy of, oh, oh I'm going to have to do this for the day as you, and you're going to have to do that. There was actually right. a heightened sense of drama with no, your and, character being trapped. And I think also, you know, that movie, I think there was a lot of heart in that movie. I mean, not just on the page, because I think it was written really well and there was like just a lot of love. But also, like every human being on that set just really loved being there. And it all was because we were all working with George Burns. Even, a you know, an old pro like Tony Roberts was just beside himself that he was working you know with george burns the only guy like i feel so bad who a guy i love i love anthony stark he's the actor who played the heavy in that movie he's jimmy from the jimmy episode of seinfeld if you don't know who he is but he had to be the heavy in that movie and he was just like so hated and i feel so bad and because he was just so good at being an asshole um, and he was like really the only guy who was the dick in that movie. <laughs> the only other thing I knew him from growing up, like off the top of my head, was he played a villain in the live action The Flash with John Wesley Ship. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a bad guy in that, too. So he yeah. sort of like took on that sort of, sort of like Billy Zabka role. Yeah, in the back unapologetically. Of my head. Like, oh, so, yeah, whatever you're in, you're a jerk. I get it. <laughs> and you know, it's so funny, like... Because listen, you know I got like a carton of cigarettes for Bright Lights Big City. I still, I, I was still kind of smoking when I was doing um, 18 again, and you know I had to do all that track. And Tony was like this unbelievable athlete. A- Anthony, you know I called Tony, and uh, you know we do the end of the movie where I'm supposed to win, and we had to shoot it like five times because he kept winning. I was like, dude, just pull up the brakes this much. I just got to beat you by this much. And he's like, well, you got to, you got to pick it up. 
can't. I can't go any faster. Look at me. My little legs are going as fast as they can. I'm I'm like the Blade Runner guy without the blades. I'm trying so freaking hard. Just turn you all like that, Charlie? If that's not an anti-smoking ad right there, it's like, you want to be Anthony Stark, you got to stop smoking. Right. Put those butts down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Charlie Schlatter, and I'm working with Dare. Oh my God! Oh, and wait, Brandon. Brandon, can I tell you something funny? Because you you touched on uh, Ferris Bueller. So just this week, I feel terrible. And tell what would let me ask? What would you do? You were Ferris Bueller in in the TV series, and some kid comes up to you and he sees that you have a picture of Ferris Bueller on your table, and he says, "I just heard that you were in Ferris Bueller. That's like my favorite movie of all time. Will you sign this?" You know. I probably signed like three pictures of things for people thinking I was Matthew Broderick. In fact, somebody recently sent me pictures of like Matthew Broderick with Alan Ruck and the girl uh, who played uh, Mia, what is, uh, her, that girl, Mia. I don't know her last name. Forgive me. But uh, Mia Sarah. Mia Sarah. Thank you. And so I, they sent me three pictures in the mail, you know, because I get them at my mailbox. I pick up and I'm all right. Signed Charlie Schlatter. I was almost going to sign one Matthew Broderick just in case they, you know, I don't know. I would have totally signed it. Matthew Broderick. I would have right? Broderick. Yeah. Matthew Schlatter or Charlie Broderick. Yeah. I could have done a little yes, combo. I'm definitely Matthew Broderick. Yeah, but what do you <laughs> do? Charlie Schlatter. <laughs> you, you feel bad. But oh, but anyway. speaking about that, Charlie, you know, at that show, you did work with Cloris Leachman, another comedy legend. Yeah, the best. Buddy. I'll tell you this, man. I'll tell you one funny thing about, uh, well, not funny, but no, Cloris, funny. people, oh, when people want to know, like, oh, who's the best actor you ever worked with, actress? What? Cloris Leachman, hands down, was the best actor, period, I've ever worked with. And I guess I've worked with her three times, once on Ferris Bueller, mm -hmm. um, once on Diagnosis Murder, and then twice, I believe, on Touched by an Angel. We had scenes together in that. And I will say, uh, and I've accidentally seen her naked twice. <sighs> accidentally, okay. after she was like, Charlie, come in here for a minute. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much, Brandon. Phenomenal. Oh, wow. That's hilarious. She's always been just kind of like this crazy, funny nudist. She doesn't care. And so she was playing my grandmother in Ferris Bueller, and they say, cut, bell, and everyone go to lunch. And we had just done a scene. So I went back onto the set, like, within 60 seconds to get something that I left that I wanted to bring to lunch. And there she is, like, standing completely naked. Hi, Charlie. Just changing from her, you know, outfit into her robe for lunch. And then another time we're working in, in Utah, we're doing Touched by an Angel, and there were like all these bikers. I don't know why, but there were like all these bikers outside of her trailer. I don't, we were shooting some weird scene, and she just came out totally naked. She said, Hi, guys! And then like walked right back in. So that's twice, and both times was right before lunch. Oh, outstanding. <laughs> I love it. Problem, but, she, everyone. but she was the best. You know, she was one of those actors that really cared about you in the scene and really wanted you to be your best. And, you know, a lot of times you work with an actor who says, hey, Charlie, can you move to the left so I could really get this going or, you know, my light or my this or, you know, no. She would say, hey, Charlie, you know, it would be great. Why don't you just look at the baby and focus on that? And she'd give you like a little bit of an acting tip. And every time, I mean, it was just like a brilliant, brilliant tip. And nobody was ever more like emotionally 
available than Cloris Leachman when it came to, to working with her. She was so great. And I know people used to like, oh, my God, she's trouble on the set. She's this and that. But it's because she was such a perfectionist and so great at what she did. I mean, look at Young Frankenstein. Look at look at anything that woman has ever been in. And I think she's won like a everything, like a Tony, an Oscar, a Grant, whatever. She's one of those people who's just won everything across the board. She's so good. It was so great. So uh, there was one thing I definitely had to ask is that you are the only person here who's ever in a police academy. So, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make well, me a bad wait, person. I mean, it just means I made bad choices in life. Yes, mission to Moscow. Drew, 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 yeah. Drew, hold on, pal. Hold on. I just want to back that up for one second. Like, he's the mm -hmm. only one here that was in a police academy. You say that like every other well, person that you may have come across has been in a police academy. Well, you know, partially what? right. Maybe Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe I have, Brandon. You don't know. You, you don't know that. Well, I'm, I'm gonna. I'll pull back my statement. I apologize. Drew, no, Drew like is in one of the lost episodes. <laughs> no, I, I, I it was called I was the like, Police Academy Bound for Brazil. You know what? I would be there. I'm just saying. But no, I, actually, there was the Police Academy uh, animated show as well. There was, I think, you're, and there was a TV series too, wasn't there? I, I believe think so. there was actually. Yeah. I think there was a short-lived series, but yes, this was one of those things where they, you know, here's a funny story about Police Academy Mission to Moscow. So mm -hmm. there was another movie. I forgot what it was that I really wanted to do, and I remember I was I was getting married at the time. I don't know, and I, so I, I wanted some money. I wanted like a little extra money to put aside because as a young man, you know, you want to be financially set. Blah blah blah. Um, so I get this offer, like straight up offer, and I won't say exactly how much it was, but let's just say it was $500,000 to go to Moscow and do this movie. And I remember telling my agent, cause I was still up for the other one. I go, ah, you know, they need to know now they need to know now. I said, well, it's cause it was a way more money than the other one. I said, no, I'm, I'm just going to wait on this other thing. Cause I think, uh, I think it's going to happen. And uh, anyway, I don't get the other one. So like a week later, we kind of go back with a, my tail between my legs saying, hey, I'll, I'll do that Police Academy movie. And they're like, not so fast, hotshot. Uh, now it's like 250. That. <laughs> it's oh. like, so I like lost half of it in a week, whatever. What, you know, it's like, oh, all right, I'll do it. So they knew they had me. But that was the worst experience of my life being in Russia. It was terrible. It's a horrible yeah, place, I Moscow. Like, I feel like you're not the first person to say that exact sentence before. Yeah, it was really, and I don't say that because of the climate these days, but just back then, you know, the KGB had just been dismantled and, and they sort of became kind of a, a big mafia there, um, you know, and, and it wasn't USSR anymore. Um, and we, and I was there during a, a pretty historic time when the White House was being overtaken. Uh, Rutskoy was, was held up there and they were being bombed. I have pictures of like me and Ron Perlman, who was also there. We're like holding up rocks um, outside of like the Kremlin with um, or outside of the White House, rather, with all these old Bolsheviks. And because we we didn't know the severity of it. And then all of a sudden, pop, 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 you know. The guns start going, they grab you, put you in the van, and they whisk you off to the hotel where we had to hide for like two days. 
And it wasn't Mike yeah. Winslow playing. <laughs> I'm really regretting it wasn't like, those rocks part of the house. <laughs> yeah, none of that. No, it was the real deal. All right. <laughs> Michael, Winslow. <laughs> Michael Winslow started World War Three. <laughs> I mean, I just checking. Just checking. Like, just checking. Like, you were there. History could be wrong. You're right. You're right. And I, I could be wrong. Maybe you are right. I don't know. I just remember reading about it. And then there was this quote from Leonard Moulton, which was saying, and I quote, if the United States and Soviet Union were still at odds, this film would make a great weapon. It could bore people to death. I was like, wow. <laughs> That's Harsh. why you love Leonard Moulton, man. You know, the yeah, the original Rotten Tomato. Yeah. Wow. Why did he sugarcoat it so much? He should have told everyone don't, how he really felt. Don't hold back, man. Don't hold back. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was just yeah. like, reading keep that, that in. It's going to just get infected. Come on, Lenny. <laughs> it's so funny, man. No matter like, no matter how many nice reviews you get in life and you guys just as human beings, you know, for every hundred good ones you get, you just remember that one that just says you suck. And you're like, yeah. and that's the one you agree with. You go, I know I suck. He caught me. He's aware. I fooled 99 <laughs> others, but that guy knows. It's he terrible. Yeah. yeah. What, what was there one uh, critic that like really broke your heart, Charlie? One day? No, I was. You know, I none of them broke my heart because I really never gave a shit. But um, like Rex Reed had written a couple nice things about me, so that was nice because he was always like a big popular guy and mm -hmm. saying stuff like, "Oh, he's the guy you want your daughter to bring home," and he's such you know pleasant person. So he always wrote nice things. Um, there, I think there was, it might have been like a Roger Ebert one that was like, it was weird about Heartbreak Hotel that he felt uncomfortable watching the scenes with Elvis tucking the little girl into bed because of like, you know, trying to act like Elvis had this reputation of being with young girls. And I guess the Priscilla thing, yeah, right there. But he's tucking in a girl who's like seven or eight, however old Angela Gaithels was at the time. Um, so I just thought that was really weird. And, and I think yeah, within your own personal hangups to it, I know. Right. It was like someone's projecting a little bit, but, and then it was so, something about like slaughter flashes his toothy grin a little too often. Something like that. So, you know, sorry, <laughs> sorry if I was smiling too much in a movie. Yeah. yeah. My bad for showing yeah. that my character was happy. That's on. Me. Right. Yeah. I should have just. Mm. What it exactly. you should yeah, For real. <laughs> But no, you know, for the most part, um, I got a review once in Ithaca, New York, from a, a college play I was doing, which was kind of awesome. We did this play Antigone, and I was the page. I had two lines in it, and I only speak at the end. I say, uh, cabinet meeting, sir, five o'clock, sir. Those are my two lines. I'm still off book. And then at the end, I walk up like lonely, alone in this like very tense moment, this dramatic moment of the play. I walk up this like flight of stairs and, and they're made of like Muslim board or whatever. It's like this kind of papery stuff. Anyway, so as I'm walking up, boom, I kind of tripped and it was like really loud. And it was like, oh, and you're back. It's kind of like when Joe Biden was walking up those stairs to Air Force One. I kind of was like the original Air Force One slip. That was me. And then the, like the review was. It was something about like, thank God that little page fell because I finally woke up from the slam. Whatever it was, it was like so perfect. But I got reviewed for two lines and, and fucking up my two, my, my one bit. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, Ithaca. 
Antigone. Positive or negative? Give me all the energy. Right. Right. Anyway, now, I, I, I have to, I, I have to ask. I'm uh, just bringing it back to like working with George Burns again. How much time did you get a chance to spend with him? Especially considering when watching it, like you, you did a, a pretty good job. Especially considering how young you were, of sort of trying to adopt the body language and and, oh, and thanks. cadence of his speech. I mean, I, I, like I said, I watched it recently. I was, I was impressed. It, well, it uh, thanks. Good, you know. Most of that was because um, I had, before we started shooting, I probably had just two two days where I actually spent any amount of time with him. The first was the first day I met him. And that's me walking down this hallway to his office with his manager. And what's awesome is that you could smell the cigar smoke on your way in there. So now all of a sudden, like this guy that you've seen on television, now you smell him. You know, you like you go like, oh, my God, I'm getting closer to the treasure. And, you know, it's like Fred and the dinosaurus burgers or what you know, just carrying them away, you know, and that's how it was. You just kind of waft in and then they open the door and there's little George sitting in his in his director chair drinking tea out of a mug that said God. And I thought, oh. this is like the, the best way to meet this guy. And he said, is that the kid? And they go, yeah, George, this is the kid. He goes, I'll take him. And so that was really nice. And then I think like another time, we, I think we had, we had lunch at the Hillcrest Country Club where he belonged. And that was really, so I just tried to watch him there. And then, you know, but prior to shooting, I, I saturated myself with all the old Burns and Allen reruns. I tried to watch all that stuff. I watched Oh God a lot, things like that, anything. And, I, and as a kid growing up, um, going in style, was I mean that was my favorite movie I think of all time and and he was just brilliant in that movie so I did that and then when I didn't know what George would do I just kind of relied on like what my grandfather Charlie Schlatter would do uh, in that situation or what his because he was very similar my grandfather's a Lower East Side guy just like George Burns they came up in the same area and so you know there was this very you know the same sort of physicality that they both had. The only thing George taught me, like to say, to do this or to do that, um, was just he said, "Don't hold the cigar in your right hand. I I hold it in my left hand." And I said, "Oh, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I I don't know why I didn't pick up on that, but I, I thought you were right-handed." And he goes, well, "No, I am." But when he did vaudeville, he just wanted to have that cigar here, so if he had to adjust the microphone, his right hand was always free. And then he always made sure that, you know, he told the people on the set, he goes, the kid has to have a, a holder for his cigar. And, and I asked him, why do you do a holder? He says, because no one wants to look at all that spit on the end of your cigar. It's just very neat and clean and whatever. So, And as far as the cigars go, he used to smoke, I think they were Dutch Master Queens, which at that time were like 20 cents a cigar. So he would smoke the cheapest ones possible because he told me, he goes, you know, people send me Cubans and they send, send me all this stuff that he just gives away or throws away. And I said, well, why do you smoke those cheap ones? And he said, because they don't burn out. The really good ones you have to keep lighting and keep. And he goes, that's messy. I like to work clean. And so like he'd have one cigar and he knew that by the time that cigar got to a certain point, it was 20 minutes or whatever it was. And he was out. Yeah. It was a little timer. I think I read somewhere that they said that they they, they estimated he smoked like three hundred thousand cigars in a lifetime. Yeah, like starting at fourteen, and I'm just like, 
I was like, maybe I watched like like three hundred thousand hours of TV, but like cigars, like what? But here's and the thing: it's real also. easy to smoke and do other things, Drew. <laughs> I will but tell you from personal experience. Drew, here's the <laughs> thing: if you watch him. A, you don't inhale a cigar, and he's never to him the the putting the cigar in the mouth that was a punchline. So he would talk, 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 and that was it. I mean, it was really just used as as a prop for the most part, you know. Um, so I, how much he actually smoked in real life, you know, probably not as much as when he did, you know, on stage or his persona. Um, yeah. It was really funny, though. I, m when we were filming, there was the Whittier quake in Burbank. And um, I remember my mom had said to him on the set that day, she says, oh, my God, Mr. Burns, did you feel that earthquake? And he said, it knocked the ash right off my cigar. And it was like <laughs> at six in the morning. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> yeah. Of course, I felt it. <laughs> but he, and I'll tell you this, Brandon, about George. There were, I, you know, there were kind of two Georges. There was that one George that was like so just wonderful on the set and wonderful, like especially with women and charming and just like and that was the same guy you'd get all the time. But there was also like that George Burns who was just like with the guys, which was kind of fun, too. You know, when they kind of let loose a little bit. And the first time I ever heard that guy say cocksucker, it's like, oh my God, George Bridges said cocksucker. <laughs> anyway, so I don't think I'm giving too much away by that, but I will say, uh, oh, and here's a really fun story too, just really quickly. At the end of that movie, you know how we walk away kind of into the sunset and the camera pans up and blah, blah, blah. Each time we walked away, you know, he would tell me another story. And, and he was talking about Gracie a lot. And in one of the scenes, I, I'm asking him, so, you know, God, you know, you really loved her. She seemed so awesome. And you guys were great together. How did you how did you get over her death? What, what you know, what did you do? And he goes, um, well, we used to sleep in in single beds in the same room, but we had our own beds. And when she passed away, he said, I started sleeping in her bed so I wouldn't have to look at it anymore and be sad. Oh, and that just kind of like broke my heart. So yeah. anyway, but he was like that, just a little shuffling and he would just tell little stories. And a lot of them truly heartfelt, not just like stock crap, just oh, really true. funny and really heartfelt stuff. He was really such sweet. a great human. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, thank you for, yeah. for sharing that with us. You Very got hilarious. it. Oh, that is, oh uh, man. I'm feeling things and I don't know if I like it, Leo. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it. Uh, I, I know. Bam, bam, bam. I, I, I know we are running on time, but we definitely want to touch a little bit on your voice acting. So you're looking at close to 140 credits right now, and it's a good mixture of acting and voice acting and even some video game uh, voiceover work as well. What do you prefer? Sorry. Well, no, no. Tell, tell that dog to sit down. Um, I, you know, I prefer, to be honest, I, I probably prefer doing voiceover stuff. Um you know, just, well, A, the ease of it is so great. And and secondly, the people that I work with, and, and you've interviewed, I'm sure, a lot of voiceover guys, cartoon guys, you'll see just mm -hmm. how funny they are and warm they are and genuine. And, you know, a lot of times they're just completely off the wall. What were you saying, Drew? They're totally hilarious. I agree. With oh, yeah. Yeah. When you're in a room with those guys and you make them laugh, then, you know, you're kind of like hitting gold. It's 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 fun. And, and mm -hmm. again, 
it's really like one of the most supportive communities. And I, I don't want to just sound like I'm blowing sunshine up their asses, but it's true. There's just, there's so, there's not a lot of competition, at least, you know, that you feel because, you know, five of us are all, or, or you know, all of us are, are auditioning for, you know, a talking light bulb one day. And we just hope one of us gets it. And we don't care because tomorrow someone's going to get the part of the talking stick or the talking toilet, whatever. You know, there's so much content for us to do. And then a lot of times we do just end up working with each other a lot. It's still a pretty incestuous business. So it is kind of like the same people that they recycle. And especially during COVID, I think a lot of people were not willing to take chances on a lot of new people. So it was kind of like, if we're going to be doing this stuff remotely and from home, we need to have a, an easier, you know, a, a channel of communication and a way right. to move things expediently with people that we worked with before that we know can hit the mark and do the job right away. I always tell, right. cause I teach this, I teach VO to kids too, you know, and, and adults, um, and they're always like, is there room for me? Because it seems so incestuous. And I do. I always say yes, because even though it's like the same eight people who do every show, there are two more chairs at that table. And it seems like we're always looking for those new two voices. And, you know, somebody on the spectrum, somebody from another land, some, you know, we're always just kind of looking to expand that that stable of actors, which is really nice, yeah. unlike. You know, listen, I, there's some on-camera stuff I like to do, um, but it's like there, there's a lot of stuff that goes in, into it. And there is. There's a lot of competition. It's not as friendly. And, you know, I don't know. It's just it's a lot of work sometimes for almost the same amount of money. So sometimes I'll get offered like, hey, do you want to do a, 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 you know, a, a guest starring role in this thing? And, you know, I got to be on the show for four days. And, you, you know, sometimes a VO actor, we could make as much just in four hours, make doing an episode of something. So, mm. you know, I don't I don't know. It's not not that I've become this guy who doesn't like to leave his house, but I just kind of weigh it out and say, ah, is this, you know, I don't know. There's some things I like to do. I did this thing called Shameless a while ago. That was fun. I'm on this show right now. You were a doctor Dr. on that, right? I was I was Dr. Dick. Yeah, I knew it. OK. Yeah, which is so funny because like, I didn't, yeah, and I didn't, I didn't know the show really, except so I start watching the show. So they go, oh, you, you know, they want you to come in for this Shameless thing. I go, okay. So I watch Shameless. I'm watching the first few episodes, and it's really like it's nothing but like full frontal male nudity. I'm like, that's there's a lot of dick in this show, and so uh, I, I tell my, you know, and I got daughters like and a son, you know, and. Anyway, so and we're not nudists in the slaughterhouse. We're, we're pretty conservative here. And so um, I I uh, I asked my age, I said, well, uh, what's what's the part they want me to do? And she said, it's it's Dr. Dick. And I go, well, right there. They're going to want me to do, do you take out the dick. And uh, she goes, well, no, no, just read it, read it, read it. Anyway, so there was no dick. But I was I was a little nervous about that because nowadays it's like everything you read is that it's like and I feel I feel bad for young actors today, too. I mean, you see stuff that's out there, euphoria and stuff like it's just really it's pretty hardcore. And I don't know, maybe people are more comfortable with that these days or maybe they're just more willing to do anything for a dollar these days. Well, you know, you know, I think part of it is um, the there's sort of an interest, it seems more in regards to the characters being a certain way in a lot of shows 
And I feel like the more seemingly irredeemable characters appear to be, the yeah. more intriguing they've become to the like the zeitgeist now. Yeah. Um, I, I keep waiting for that bubble to burst, personally. Yeah. Because I I prefer full arcs for a character, yeah. and if they're not redeemable, then I feel like I'm wasting my time. Well, it is uh, amazing how, shameless... how we... Yeah, no, Shameless say... is a perfect example of that, and exactly. so is, you know, and I think it started, I don't know if it started with, but it was definitely enhanced with Breaking Bad. I mean, that was a character that we all loved and rooted for, and he was a horrible human being. And you, like, you walked away from that thing, oh my god, Ozark, same thing. It's oh, like, yeah. we're rooting yeah. for Jason Bateman, and he's killed people, and he, you know what I mean? But we still root even, for them. Even in our comedies, we've been seeing that as well. I mean, uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on FX has been going for a while now, and I watched it for a few seasons, and it literally got to the point where I turned to my wife, which... It would, this was like one of the conversations that we had that like got me to convince her to go out on a date with me was talking about that show. And we got to like season four or something on that. And I was just like, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. <laughs> I, yeah, you I, find I, yourself rooting for the wrong people and for the wrong reasons. So exactly. And I'm like, you know, what? I, 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 I shouldn't have to like shower when I finish watching something <laughs> like this. But that's. Yeah. That's like, let's be real, inexplicably, that's going to happen. So, no more of that. Yeah, no, it's true. That's why I like cartoons. <laughs> so, speaking of cartoons, I just want to let you know something funny that happened because uh, we were, tried getting you on the show uh, an earlier time, but unfortunately, there was a scheduling conflict. Yeah. Um, what we did was we had snippets from your episode in Superman the Animated Series where you were the Flash. And originally the plan was you would have read The Flash and we would have just filled in all the other voices. So we just kept reading the script, doing different voices. Um, Leo it's so will have funny. To send you the link of that because it's just all four of us um, just reading and just doing it well. And, and literally at one point I was like, okay, so you're going to do Superman and you do a voice. You're going to do Lois and Jimmy and, right. and you're going to do... <laughs> and we just like... And I had spent like a nice chunk of the day like watching the episode like listening to you talk and like typing it up because i couldn't find it I'm right like, oh, oh that would have been awesome with the line it's like what the, what's the weather wizard saying is this important no fuck that moving on well you know i, I, I have like, i have to say this drew i should probably i should probably re-watch some flash stuff because it's mm. so like you know, as a cartoon guy, we do our gig and then we just go home and we're not off books. So we haven't memorized anything. We go in there and we just read what they want us to say. And then we go home. So now I go to a convention and someone says, you know, I really love the flash. Uh, can you do the voice for me? And I'm like, um, I've been doing it for like the past two minutes talking to you. There's really <laughs> there's not nothing speak. Yeah, I know. So, like, I should probably, like, write down some key things or some, you know, whatever I said. I don't know. So I could, like, do that for them. 
because I feel like I'm I'm totally letting people down. And then they'll pick another character. Can you do that one? I'll go, yeah, that one surprisingly is gonna sound a lot like the flash. <laughs> right. Or like even, you know, even like a Robin, which I do, is it's he's kind of like a Michael J. Fox guy, is young or whatever. But like I I should probably start writing down some like things to say to these kids. I don't know. I suck. It's not a bad so you, idea. You, you, and you no, you don't. No <laughs> affect on your voice at all, Charlie, for the sh- for the Flash. And the reason I asked that because I was going to ask since you've played him like twenty some odd different times. Yeah, has the Flash voice changed in different cartoons? No, I. You know, for me. Because that's the thing, like I do it, I just kind of do it my way. What I think is just kind of like, you know, this snarky guy who's just he's just a dick, but he's not a dick. He's just, you know, he's a cocky bastard. And and that's how I play him. And that's how I feel like he's written. And and I just try to keep it in my register. But, I, you know, I try to do things a little faster and blah, blah, blah. And you know, OK, catch you later. He's just, you know, that guy. Um, and, you know, again, there's like five other guys who do the flash also. So, like, you know, tomorrow, I'm sure tomorrow. someone at some studio is going to say, hey, I want to do another intonation of, of The Flash and the Justice League or whatever. And then then they start casting and someone may say, oh, well, I like how, you know, I, I think maybe Phil Lamar had done it or Josh Keaton or whoever. You know, they may say, let's let's get that guy. Or maybe they say me. Sometimes it's a monkey throwing a dart. Who knows? It's whoever wants to get it that day. It, I mean, it truly is. Or a lot of times they'll say, I want somebody new. I mean, even, you you know, look at the Joker, how many we've had, you know, between Kevin Michael Richardson and, and, and Mark Hamill or what, you know, there've been several different Jokers, even in those Lego movies, we had a different guy playing the Joker. So it always depends on, I think, I think the studio really wants to give a little leeway to the director or, you know, they want to give them the reins a bit because, it has to be interesting to them too to do that project. And I know if someone said to me, "I want you to direct a, you know, a Marvel show or whatever," I think I'd want to, you know, listen to people again and maybe bring in my own guy or bring in a new vibe, you know. And they're all like I said, there's all these different intonations. I did a show called Lunatics Unleashed, and I was Ace Bunny, which is basically, eh, it's Bugs Bunny, but he's uh, extreme. And I mean, they could have easily gotten, you know, Billy West to do it because he's done you know, Bugs Bunny forever. And it's, a, it, you know, that, that would have been a no brainer, but yeah. they kind of went out of their, you know, circle and, and they pulled me in for that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always interesting. Casting is an interesting thing. And, and sometimes it's, sometimes it's, you're their friend or that other guy is their friend and you're not, you know, um, so you never know, you know, I, I feel fortunate. I, I think I'm like in the most different, versions of it uh of the flash i don't think i'm i don't think i'm the most recorded because i think there have been other series that have like gone on forever but i think i've done like more intonations or whatever of the flash including like i do flash on scooby-doo and things like that so you know just is what it is but yeah it's nice every now and then i get that call hey you're playing the flash and another thing and i go okay i like this guy more work yes well if you want if you want, we can have Leo send you both a recording of us reading it because I'm sure you'd find that really <laughs> do, do that. 
Do that, and, and I'll, I'll try to, and I'll try to send you back like a new version of me recording the Flash. Oh, nice, How's that? Nice. Oh, yeah, that Charlie, if you did that, it would be like Christmas, <laughs> Easter, and their birthdays all rolled okay. up into one. And, and send that, send those. that to me, and and I will at some point. I'll I'll get to it, and I will record those lines right here on this microphone, and I'll send you like as an MP3. Would that work? And then you could just that lift it and put good. it in, or as a wave file, whatever you want. Okay. I actually or, chopped it up in TikTok to four different videos, so I could just send those to Leo, and Leo. Can send those to you. Yeah. Okay. And, perfect. And if you want, and Charlie, if you want, we could all even send you the word document that I typed up so you have the lines. Yeah. No, that's that's right. I mean, that would them. be that would be perfect. I'll do that. Yeah. Yeah. That would be amazing. I I, yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. guarantee it's going to sound like the Flash though. That's okay. It doesn't matter. You, you, <laughs> it may, it may it sound like, like Charlie else. Schlatter doing the Flash. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> Uh, it may sound like the Honey know, Nut Bee. Like, you never funny know. We have <laughs> hey, who doesn't like Honey Nut yeah. Cheerios? And if they Be disagree, they're wrong. Yeah. Ooh, that was great. They're well, you know, that, that's my gig. You know, I was. I was the Honey Nut Bee for like 15 years. I did not know wow, that. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, oh, wow. I was the well, be happy, be healthy. Because it's like my favorite cereal. You know what? I'm not the I'm not the guy now because they um you know it's funny I did it for in fact I replaced Billy West used to do it for a couple of years, and then I came in and we started doing all these video games and like uh, internet content and commercials. It got to the point where like they flew me out. There was a commercial we did with Usher, and they flew me out to uh, Atlanta like to be on set with him just so I could improvise as a, as a bug. And and same wow. thing with Nelly. I did a thing with Nelly, another band called Naturally Seven. They like were flying me out to like just be the bug. Anyway, so it was Sachi and Sachi and General Mills. General Mills fires like 700 people and they say, we're going to let you go too, Charlie, because we can't afford to pay your contract. And they said, we would love for you to continue this process with us if you would agree to work non-union. So... You know, I had to say no, f you very much, and goodbye. So, and that's it. And then the the B went silent for a while, and then uh, now I don't I don't know what that is that you hear on TV. I don't know what I don't know what that B is supposed to be. And I'm not saying that because I'm bitter, because I'm not. I don't care. Like I, I, so many of my friends were calling saying, "Hey, Charlie, I got an audition for this B. Aren't you the B?" And I go, "Yeah, but it's okay. It's all non-union now, so take it. It's yours." Um, <laughs> it's all non-union, you know, sucker. Yeah, enjoy yourself. No, I, it is because they're going to get somebody. It might as well be like I said, when I say the no competition or that feeling yeah. of it, it's like, no, you, you want someone you like to get it and, you know, mm -hmm. pass on the good fortune. Just pay it forward. Um, so and anyway, Barry Gordon but, was the B for a while, too. And he was also the uh, I think he was the, the president of SAG for a while. He was the president of SAG. But also, I hadn't <laughs> I didn't I didn't. Hey, how are you, Justin? I had no idea that Barry Gordon was the B ever. That's really so, interesting. Yeah, he told me uh, he was the Cheerio kid or something to start out with. Because yeah. I love that guy. Well, he and as as a child actor, also the guy was amazing. Thousand Clowns with Jason Robards. I mean, he was just a great, great child actor and a great adult actor as well. I didn't know he got his law degree too, but this is you know. No one Welcome likes to show the Barry Gordon show, everyone. Oh, no, hey, we're here with Barry Gordon. <laughs> and, uh, we're here with Barry West. <laughs> Speaking of show, Charlie, that's the hour, so we don't want you yep. to get in trouble with you. With oh, your family. okay. You can. I'm going to go watch Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there any new projects that you're promoting right now? I listen. I don't. I don't promote anything because I don't care. I don't get. You know. I don't get anything from promoting Jack, but I, I'll. 
I'll tell you some crap that I'm in right now. Um, there, you know, it's not really crap. There's good stuff actually. And I don't always get to say that there's a really great cartoon I'm doing, uh, that's airing now on Apple plus TV. And that's called Harriet the spy based on the books from years ago, Jane Lynch, Beanie Feldstein, Lacey Charvet, Charlie Schlatter, you know, the big guns. Uh, it's a great show directed by Charlie Adler and it's a Jim Henson production. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had Charlie Adler on your show, but you should. He's the funniest. He's cow and chicken or yeah. Or is that with cow and chicken? Yeah. Yeah. It was cow and chicken. Cow and chicken. Cat dog? Yeah. Something like that. Anyway. Um, so there's that. And then uh, I'm on a show that was just nominated for an Emmy a couple days ago. It's called big Nate and it is on, Nickelodeon. So for a while, it was uh, streaming on Paramount Plus, and it was the number one streaming show. Period. Beating like that eighteen hundred show, whatever. It was beating everything. So because only ten people have Paramount Plus, and you know <laughs> we had of nine of them. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we. Brandon was you were all over you and Justin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you two. They said Star Trek. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And isn't yeah. Yellowstone on that or? No. So, so with Big Nate, um, Big Nate is now they just went full blast on a Nickelodeon. Um, we, like I said, we just got nominated for a couple of Emmys. I think one is Best Casting. Um, and I play a little, little redheaded boy named Chad. And it's probably to date, uh, in fact, I just got done recording that earlier today. It's probably one of my most favorite characters to ever record. He's such an oddly weird little boy, and I love it. But we're we're recording our second season right now, even though we only have like eight or nine episodes on the air, and they just picked us up for a third season. So I think you'll I think you'll be seeing a lot of it. If Nickelodeon is doing that, they obviously believe in it. And then I have one more show that I'm recording now, um, which is. It, it's just a money. It's going to be a money machine. It's Mattel is doing this for Netflix and it's, it's hot wheels, ultimate racers. Oh, and it's yeah. nothing but selling cars and kid stuff. It's really clever, clever, clever. And yeah, it's fun. And it's, there's like five of us. There's like two actual children and then three adults who play the children. Uh, I'm one of those. I always play children. And um, yeah, it's uh I think that's. I think it's going to be really good because it's really well done. Okay, that's awesome. That's, that's awesome. what I got going on. Check yeah. that out. Thank you. It should be thank fun. you were super gracious guest, Charlie. I mean, uh, thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you, man. Anytime. You guys are freaking awesome. Anytime I get to hang out with East Coast dudes and just uh, you know get to tear it up a little bit, I'm I'm down. So, and hopefully I'll see you at the next con. I know you guys were at Rhode Island con, right? That's yep. a big one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that looked. I didn't go there, but that looked like a lot of fun. So hopefully I'll do that one someday. You know yeah. what you need to start doing is, is you know, since you're the, the honeybee, maybe, you know, if they can group like all the serial, you know, voice actors, get like you, Larry, Larry Kenny. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. Awesome panels too. Yeah. Right. Oh, the serial, serial, serial panels. The yep. serial killers. Yeah. Green jello. You know, <laughs> that one's for free, Charlie. <laughs> Here's a here's a really sad story. So General Mills, the same company that fired me, they asked me to come in and audition for their new leprechaun for the Lucky Charms, you know, whatever, because they they fired that guy, whatever. And then they get then they go, but we don't want an Irish accent. It's like he's a freaking leprechaun. How do you do a leprechaun? I mean, because they're afraid they're going to offend people with an Irish accent. Listen, if we can have French actor Christopher Lambert play a, a <laughs> Scottish Highlander in a movie, there from you the go. 80s, I think we can. It's we can have 
we can have somebody from Jersey doing the voice and, of, and somebody my size I'm Elvin. <laughs> I'm like the shape of an elf anyway. So Charlie, I'm 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 a small guy too. You should see me standing next to these fellows, all right? Like <laughs> it's ridiculous. I my wife is five one, and when I'm in my house, I feel like a dwarf amongst midgets. Okay, and then I step into public around these clowns, and I'm like, "Oh no, wait! I am a very small man." <laughs> You're like, "Oh shit! I should have yeah. left the house." Yeah, Charlie, he's like the T Rex being all big, and then he meets the other dinosaurs. Like, okay, I'm gonna stay here in this area. This is the same Jurassic Park. I'm not going to Jurassic World. So. I'm gonna stay in my lane. Yeah. Stay this lane. All right. Well, you guys are awesome, man. And thanks, honestly, for inviting me to this show. This has been a really fun time. Yeah, totally. We, we love it happening. Yeah. You're, uh, you're welcome back anytime. And we're right, going to send you that stuff, Thanks man. so much. Have so, a great night. Yeah, send me that thing, Drew. Honestly, you guys all have my email and all my contacts and stuff. So, yeah. Leo do will it. send it to you. Trust me. Sounds good. He, he, awesome. He's all right. It'll be awesome. Thank you, Charlie. All right. Much have love, guys, and peace. Have a great night. Thank you, Charlie. Thank Bye. you. Okay, uh, I, I didn't I'm, hold on. I didn't get a chance to bring it up when Charlie was on here because I didn't want to like jump into. But Drew, his love interest in eighteen again was played by mm -hmm. Jennifer Runyon. No fucking way. Yeah, I didn't want. <laughs> yeah, you're wearing a fucking Stay Puff shirt and everything, and I really wanted to. I really wanted to and jump it, in and be like, I'm "Hey, sorry. How, how is it working with Jennifer Runyon as as your love interest in the movie?" Because if I had said it, I know you'd have been like, excuse me? Jennifer, sorry, yeah. Um, you, Je did you say I'm sorry, Jennifer? you mean female student from the beginning of Ghostbusters? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was, I was, that's exactly what I've been like. Uh, yeah. A pair of wavy lines? <laughs> that is literally her character's credit name in Ghostbusters is female student. Yep. That's, that's it, it. It's, it's so funny because in the cartoon, in the cartoon, in the comics. Comic book? She shows up more often, and I'm just like, "Good for you!" Like, it's actually super. Where, where her and the the other student, the guy who kept getting shocked, are having like tea, and I'm just like, "Ah, oh, they remain friends." Well, I got I got the biggest kick out of in the comic book in Ghostbusters from IDW, how Amazing. she took everything Venkman said to heart about her having some kind of ESP abilities. Yep. And opened up a fucking fortune teller's shop. Right. I then, lost it when I, I flipped the page. I was like, "You've got to be fucking kidding me!" Yeah, <laughs> it was really funny. It's um, pretty cool that they were able to get so many different people's likenesses. Oh my god! To use. The, the 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 entire series, and I was so sad when I feel like it's kind of come to an end. When um, because now Dark Horse is doing the Ghostbusters comics, and I think they're trying to follow follow the. I don't know. I'm not really sure what they're going to do with it. I know that they were going to release a book that ties in more to Afterlife, which I'm still fine with. But um, Dan Showing and Eric Burnham, they've been on my, like, I'm sorry. If they ever at a convention, I will be there and I will be that guy with, can you please sign these? And I will have everything they've worked on. Just, nope, 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 nope. I don't care. Well, they did the turtles crossover. They did. They did. Yeah. Basically, anything <coughs> that was the Ghostbusters for IDW was Eric Burnham and Dan Showing. So all. Oh. Of them. Yeah, I mean, if 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 yeah. I can meet Eric Burnham, 
forget about it. Like that dude, he was everything I read from him at IDW with Ghostbusters. I never realized how much I I wanted the continuation of no. Ghostbusters and, until I started reading those comics because yes, he was Brandon, so spot on. Brandon, you you don't understand. I found out the one one year I don't go to NYCC and not because of of COVID or sickness, the mayor chose not to go. He's at NYCC. Someone got their book signed. And I was like, oh my fucking God. And I was <laughs> like, I was just like. I was so frustrated for so long because I'm like, why why aren't they having this guy like work on a script for Ghostbusters? He, he, he clearly genius. understood the world and the characters like yeah. nobody before him. It, and, it was. And, and he made the multiverse work. I mean, this guy literally. I, oh my god, so well. He did, and 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 that when I think about it, he handled all the properties so well. TMNT, so you know, with the shell head over here, can back me up on Transformers. Um, they even did a crossover right. with Mars Attacks right at one point, and that was the real Ghostbusters. You know. Um, yeah. I mean, listen. I read know. it all, man. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, my point being is. They we can talk about that mask. another time. Um, Did they? But, but I will say this, Justin, you were totally missed uh, at Rhode Island because I had such questions to ask Rob Paulson about the turtles that I was like, Justin would have been so proud if I could have made this happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I had questions I wanted to ask Rob Paulson too, but I barely got a fucking word in edgewise because Rob Paulson was wearing a Detroit Red Wings cap and a Detroit Red Wings lanyard. Mm -hmm. And my wife, Dara, is a giant, well, giant being a relative term here because she is <laughs> super tiny. Giant in spirit. Detroit Red Wings fan. And so oh, when she, she walked up, when we walked up, like he's like, oh, hey, so you, you grabbed the yak Yakko one. Let me, say, let me sign that for you. And Dara's just like, are you, are you from, are you from Michigan? And he's like, yeah, that's why I got my Detroit hat and my, and she's like, I love the Detroit Red Wings. And, and she, and he's just like, really? So are you from? And she's like, no, I'm from around here. He goes, that's gotta be tough with all the, all the Bruins fans and everything around here. Huh? I always wanted to be a hockey, hockey player. And then he starts talking about how he wanted to be a Detroit Red Wing growing up and how eventually like voicing Ninja Turtles allowed him to play with Gordy Howe as like a charity thing. Like he was like, and there I was in the middle of a, a of a, a, fro a frozen area. And I'm, I'm playing hockey with Gordy Howe. And I was like, thanks Mr. Paulson for taking the photo with this and signing this autograph. I guess we better move along now because there are other people in line. I hope you enjoyed your conversation about hockey. I will say, no, he was absolutely <laughs> delighted. That somebody came up to him, uh, swear to God, somebody came up to him and wanted to talk to him about something other than any of the voice projects he's done. I could, hey. you could tell, you could tell it was like very refreshing for him to just talk about hockey, something he loved. He's like, yeah. But you know, Justin, speaking about Rob Paulson, right next to him was the amazing Maurice LaMarche. And no, yes, Maurice LaMarche, voice of the brain from Pinky and the Brain. And Morbo the newscaster from Futurama. And you are on Splash Pages. Good night. And I, when I Drew was one. interviewing him, I thought he was going to cry twice. 
Two times. Drew, what, Drew was going to cry twice because he Absolutely. did his gun, right? Absolutely. I, I asked okay. him what I meant him. I asked him to, to help me with my Egon. He's like, it, it comes from back here in the throat. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> he, he did it in one of the, he did it in the other bumper, right? Yeah, he yes, did. Yeah. The he way throws, he, he flips it, it on is crazy. It, yeah, it's I, so I'm, crazy. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, oh, you're going to make me cry again. <laughs> <laughs> well, while what? that loads. Where the, t- so lubricated What's with nerd Jason team. Marsden here. One more time. <clears throat> Hey, Jason Marsden here. I'm the voice of Thackeray Binks in Hocus Pocus. And Virgins, you're watching... <laughs> I forgot what it was. <laughs> the Dorkening. One more time. Hey, Jason Marsden here, voice of Thackeray Binks in Hocus Pocus, Virgins. You're watching The Dorkening. <laughs> yeah, he was great. He's a delight. He looked what like the... Maurice LaMarge. The... You, you... Dr. Egon Spengler from The Real Ghostbusters. The Brain from Pinky and the Brain, Lieutenant Kiff Croker from Futurama, and you're on the Dorkening. Isn't that great? <laughs> All I see is just my arm in the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. I see this wonderful talent, and I just see this giant meat hook. Just <laughs> holding my hand. I in love. Look out. I have a very um, sexy learning disability. What's happening, Jason Marsden here, the voice of Max a, Goof in a Goofy movie. <laughs> and you're watching Splash Pages. Oh, my golly. Oh, hi. I'm John from Smallville. I'm on Splash Pages. I love that. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. I'm like, that's the Riddler from Batman, the animated series, guys. Yeah. Is that not Doctor Woodrow from Batman and Robin? Never gonna forget. Yeah. John no, 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 no. Let let let's just. I want to set the record straight here. The easy, Rid- easy, easy. The, the Riddler totally was crushing on Rich. That's all I'm gonna say. Like John, oh, yeah, well, da- met Dara him. and I were selected as couple of the week when we met him. Oh, nice. nice. He Listen, even signed. He even signed a photo with that. He went back to the photo after he said he was like, "I'm gonna write that on." On hold on, he put it right there on the photo. Did he say uh, Shazam? That's he's an amazing personality. Um, he was he was delightful. They, he really was. There were so many highlights that I think I couldn't stop telling them to Leo. And Leo does this thing. I don't think you guys realize when he's just listening. Like I don't think it, he's genuinely listening, but he has like catchphrases. He's just like, "Oh, nice, cool, hmm, great." Like he just like oh that wow that's great, and I feel like I'm making him sound a little Owen Wilsony, but like he'll just wow, he did wow. like he's, he's wow. listening, but he's just like wow that's great like oh wow, yeah he just he's wow. he's, he's, he's oh that's great that's cool like it's almost like he's I'm, I'm letting you talk so eventually you'll peter out, wow. you know no he must, he's he just waiting for us. his turn to talk. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> like listen, I, 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 all I, these multi assholes I know they'll lose steam eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say this: if you guys have ever rid with Leo, he is a very responsible driver. So you know, some people, madman Leo is a responsible driver. We only got an accident accident almost twice, so it was fine. You know, he's got to he's got to maneuver around all those mass holes. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I'm the type of guy when I show up, I'm like, right "Good then. news, everyone! I just saved 15 percent or more on my car insurance by fleeing the scene of the accident." <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so you're the one that did uh, the hit and run on me. I mean, 
No. No. <laughs> wink, wink. He said that. I just, I just heard the professor. Good news, everybody. I'm just like, good, good news, everyone. <laughs> the hard part was getting the brain out, but the easy part was getting the brain out. <laughs> All right. Someone needs to put Brandon on a timeout. Um, <laughs> but so uh, it's not my uh, fault that they made caffeine legal. <laughs> I know uh, we want to talk about uh, a couple of different what ifs. I just want to cover some news real quick. And Drew, I don't know no. if you have anything, but uh, oh, no, I have yeah. I have a bunch because you were all like, "Hey, everybody! I spent literally thirty minutes in the con, and I might have caught con crud. Can you do the heavy lifting?" I'm like, "Leo, you hey, that shit's no fucking table. joke, bro." I'm I'm not joking about it. the first. I time caught I con crud when I was walking around with you guys. The fucking day and a half after being there, I was like. Bury me at wounded knee. Maybe you should have worn a mask. Maybe you should have worn a mask. <laughs> I mean, I could have worn a mask, but it wasn't COVID that I got. It was hey, hey. some asshole went to Terrificon and was like, I don't feel too great, but you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and go. And then they saw my ass and they shook my hand and they breathed in my face. So Fuck them. That's my what, point. <laughs> what interviews were you doing where someone almost licked you? Like, what the hell? Like, not no, some John Barrowman. You were with that. me the whole time. I, and listen, nobody was more surprised. <laughs> I think literally being in the dead poo suit, I sweated out any sickness. Because that just, I was like, <laughs> like, it was just, that was my detox suit. Just put it on. You were, you were protected by uh, Fabian Nasesa, uh touching your uh, tummy. The tummy rub, it was, man. It was really funny after after the interview with Fabian Nasesa because Drew Drew was like, "Wow, he seemed to like really zero in on you, Brandon." I was like, "Yeah," and like thought about it later. I'm like, "I'm the only one of the three of us that didn't have his fucking face covered, so he actually could see me as a human being." Yep, totally. Drew, uh, God love him, wore that fucking thing the whole time. I I lost two pounds looking at him. Yeah, <laughs> so I, that's I, your yeah. secret. Fabian kept asking me, he's like, how much do you weigh now? And I said, too little. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I do have to say, I, I didn't realize I looked like I was going to die. When I was uh, talking to Chris and he said goodbye, it was like really like remorseful. Like, what the fuck was that? But I didn't realize he actually thought I was going to drop dead or something. <laughs> Dude, Brandon, I was in a world of hurt when uh, we, we ran up with you upstairs. I was like, I didn't drink any water the entire day. Oh, well, what the fuck? Yeah, dude? I know. It's, 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 yeah, and uh, walking a lot more than I used to. You offered me a drink when you when you picked me up, uh, yeah. but then suddenly you couldn't take one of your... Your hospitality will kill you. God. See, oh. that's why I always sneak in bottles of water in the bottom of my backpack when I go to conventions. Like I, have, enough, I, have, that, a little, that, I have a little that, compartment at the very yeah, bottom that fits a couple of 16-ounce bottles. And they never listen, check it for some reason. That, that's what we did when we uh, I got breakfast for me and Rancho. So just had cinnamon toast crunch and milk from CVS. We just snuck it in the backpack. They were just like, oh, let's open the backpack. It just came here. Okay, cool, good. I was like, you don't even think to look in there, do you? Then you would notice... Uh, sir, why is your camera camera equipment? Why is it uh, crunchy? I'm like, it's expensive. It's uh, it's <laughs> state of the do? art from Japan. Now leave me alone. <laughs> why does it smell like cinnamon? Um, excuse me, it's called an air freshener. Uh, have you seen nerds? Some of them don't know what deodorant is. It's a new, it's a new scratch I work for and crunchy sniff roll. lens. 
<laughs> but no, I, it, it, like I said, this is this is the second time I ever went to Rhode Island. It was far better. I mean, the first time I went to Rhode Island, I got to meet all the Hellboy cast and Frank Welker. So that was wow. awesome on a, on a degree that's very different. This was different because I got to meet heroes. It is on record me gushing. Um, I got to watch a Gotham rogue spank rich. Um, I got to finally have dinner with Leo, which it's like dinner with Andre, but you know, funnier. Um, yeah, because I, I, I was drunk inconceivable. off. I was drunk I off to, my ass and spilling the beans. You know? <laughs> I got to see. I got to see Tipsy almost pretty much drunk. Leo, I got to I mean, meet. I've seen that too, but sure. <laughs> yeah, I got to meet Brandon's wife, and I was like, "Wow, you're real." I mean, that's yeah, I know for she exists. Yeah. Everybody, I I told you. And actually, Brandon's seen me stoned out of my mind. That yeah. holy yeah. shit! Yeah, it was it was something to behold because it I... was on air. <laughs> yeah, this is the honest nerd podcast. Leo's like, all right, man, I'm going to go live now. Leo, we've well, been live for no. seven minutes. Justin, <laughs> you have to be here when we finally do this. I've been talking about this for a while. I want to have a night where we review um, uh, One More Day, the Spider-Man arc, but we're all drinking, so it's One More Drink. Oh. So I, I just want to still have those issues. I, I just want to get smashed just, just reading this and just laughing about how absurdly awful it is even though good things came out of it, I was like, yes, like so many comic book sequels. We were promised, we'll go back to the original. I'm like, nope, we're just going to keep taking a dump. Can we not do that on a school night? Because I need to function the next day, dude. I I dispatch for drivers for a big company. And if they call me up and I've been doing that, then I go like, hey, Brian, I'm having problems with the customers. You got to have them open this gate. Like, yeah, you. What was that, Brandon? Oh shit! I'm sorry, man. I thought my mic. I thought it was on mute. So, Wait, do you say this shit on mute, Drew? <laughs> don't forget, you got an exclusive at a Rick Leonardi. Oh yeah, yeah. That was that was crazy. Like Rick Leonardi, you know, the artist behind 2099. He was just like, oh yeah, I got this news about uh, 2099 in, in the Spider Verse. Do you want to hear it? I'm like, um. I feel like saying no is very dumb. So I'm going to go with Yes, it yeah. would have been. So you said yes, right? <laughs> I, I, I said he just reads it there. Like he pulls it up on his phone nonchalant, like we would a text message. You know, he's just like, he's just reading it from his phone, like an official Sony email. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, is this what it feels like to be the part of something big? Is this, <laughs> what, <laughs> like, FYI, just that's here. on youtube.com slash splash pages. Yeah, true story. Uh, and it was just one of those where I'm just sitting there and I'm just thinking, it's a good day. It's a good, good, good See, day. I would have screwed it up. I'd be like, no, I want to hear about the time Daredevil fought a vacuum. Yeah, tell me about that instead. <laughs> no, no. I'd be like, I, ah, so he, glad you asked. He, <laughs> he, he did love talk because I brought up the, the Hellboy painkiller Jane crossover. And he was like, yeah. I think you're one of the few people who ever brought that up. And I was like, come on. They defeat the baddie by playing a, a Chumbawamba song? Please, it's genius. That but, was a good character too. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was all Jimmy Palmiotti. Um, <laughs> but no, it was honestly. I got to say, guys, that was that was definitely one of the best cons that I've been to this week. 
not this week, this year. Okay, how uh, many fucking cons did you go to? Oh, not, not, no. <laughs> this week. <laughs> this week. <laughs> Time travels a bitch. Um, but, but no, it was just so much it's fun. true, Doctor I, Who? <laughs> I, I, I have been... You know, what, you know, Justin, we need. I need to talk to you about the time I was Dr. Pooh. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a great story there, but we'll get there later. But it was just, I have to say this, it was really great. <laughs> spending time with Leo again. Yeah, no, you're right. That, that was bad on me, Leo. He's, he's Sorry, I, I meant to do this one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I do a rim shot about a proctologist. <laughs> you know, I, I'm just looking forward to the one con I get to, to, to hang with. Justin, who I still feel is one day, he just he's gonna quato it, but it's gonna be Krang. I was like, I was here all along. You know, bring me those tattles. You know, that's right. I, I'm I'm many characters from Total Recall. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> open your mind. I gotta tell you, I don't, I don't, I don't, I know Justin goes around just talking in voices all the time. We've, we've talked time. about this. I do the same thing. And I was doing it earlier today while I was trying to get stuff together, like real quick. Like I was looking for this hat actually in particular, and uh, I'm I'm looking through the bag that because I I still had uh, 13 hats that I brought with me to the Comic Con together in a bag, and uh, that's not an exaggeration. 13 hats, and um, I'm looking for this one, and I'm just pulling them out systematically, but going rather quickly. I'm not paying attention to myself. I'm going. <laughs> I'm doing that. And my wife is just like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, huh? What? <laughs> oh, um, you know what? That's the voice of the little caveman duck from DuckTales. And I have no idea why I started speaking in that voice at all. Whatsoever. <laughs> So I'm sorry, but if you'll excuse me, <laughs> I just started going right back. Would into you like it. to hear his theme song? Uncle, Uncle, Uncle <laughs> she, she was just serious. I didn't. She sat there and watched me for a full minute before she even said anything. She was just, I married this fucking fool. <laughs> really reevaluating life choices. But. But I guess just concluding uh, my point, and you know, that was fantastic, Brandon. I, I now, I now, I'm like, why am I not on your show more often? Because um, I also just occasionally catch myself doing voices. Like my favorite is when I'm trying something that fits. I just jump into my Zap brand again. I'm like, ah, it still fits even after eating that fattening hobo cuisine. Nothing <laughs> um, like the feel of velour. <laughs> oh my god! And, and I will say this: I, I, I cannot made it with a woman. <laughs> inform the men i yeah. cannot wait till the maurice interview is because we, we talked about futurama and the fact that he just again he'll just go morbo hedonism bot kiff it is too fucking funny um <laughs> but i met but, him the week that the love death and robots came out and he narrated that whole yogurt one like that was the week oh, that wow. i met him and i'm just like listen i'm so glad rich was there because he he could laugh at me he was like drew you were just all sorts of emotion you were happy you were ecstatic you were just so over the moon and it's like you were gonna cry i'm like i was gonna cry twice okay 
two times. He because he started talking about Harold Ramis and that legacy, and he was telling stories about. It. I was like, oh my fucking god! He has the thing he says. I'm not gonna spoil it for you guys. It was probably the sweetest compliment to Harold I think I've ever heard, and it just oh fuck. I'm good. Give me a second. How do you do what I, you guys wish? First, book. I start by doing an impression of Kermit the Frog. <laughs> but even like, he was magnificent. Bill Farmer was magnificent. Wow. Uh, oh, the voice of Sylvester Tweedy, uh, Goofy. Goofy. Yep. Um, and then uh, Jason Marsden, <laughs> who it, at first I looked really quick because I didn't know who it was. I just kind of looked and I saw a J and Marsden. So I said, oh, hi, James. And he's like, oh, I'm Jason. Oh, my God. Like, so like five minutes later, I'm sitting here asking him for an interview. And he makes the joke. He goes, oh, you guys are looking for J- James, though. You're not looking for Jason. And I'm like, oh, Jive-ass turkey. sense of humor. I like this guy. He's got great energy, too. Like, just oh, watching all does. that stuff. It's Oh, my yeah. God. It, it I, just, I, I, oh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was going to say the day after we did the interview, we're just, you know, waiting because we're getting the bumpers because uh, I forgot or correction. Someone forgot to say we got to get those. Yeah, we both forgot. Um, and he just walks by. And he's like, oh, hey, guys. And I'm just like. Us? Yeah, us? Yeah, we yeah. we, yeah, we are but weebs. We are but weebs, my lord. You are a great. You dare say hello to us? We are blessed. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, like, it's Snapper Carr from the Justice League cartoon. <laughs> I well, I mean, that's kind of I when I went up to him, I, I he was like, So, which one do you want signed? And I pointed to the Eddie Munster photo on his table, and he's like, Oh, yeah, the Munsters. I was like, Yeah, no, that one. He was like, Really? Like, you hold on, you really want me to sign this? I was like, mm-hmm. Yes, man, really. That's that's the first thing I knew you from as a kid. I used to watch the new Munsters every Sunday before I went to church. And he was yeah. like, Oh, okay, it must have been the only copy of that photo on the table oh, wow. right and I, he pulled it off and i, I was like even I'm surprised butch patrick that... didn't want one <laughs> i <laughs> actually i actually said to him like i met butch patrick <laughs> at another convention a few years ago and i was like yeah he's not Jason what Marsden. was it okay. and then and then i i what i also loved is that two different people complimented me on how much research i did it was a connor leslie who was on the turtles she was like wow you did your homework and i'm not like asking her whatever and stuff. And me and Rich can both say she was probably the prettiest, no disrespect to Maya Burton, of the interviews we did. She was gorgeous. Connor Leslie. Just oh, she, she is she is stunning. And did uh, she put the, the Thor helmet on? Uh, my, no. Maya. Maya Bruton, let me tell you, I think I started a campaign to get her in the next Thor movie, just with my questions. I, I think Hi, everyone. I I'm Maya Bruton. That. I played Sarah and Rich Anderson came in back Adventures of Babysitting, and you're on Splash Pages. Hey, cool, Leo. Give a heads up, bro. <laughs> Drew's That's still Shelly. in the middle of talking. Yeah. That's Shelly. Hi, yeah. I'm Bill hey, Farmer. Leo, you might you were... know me as the voice behind Goofy, Pluto, Horace Horse Collar, Sylvester the Cat, Yosemite Sam, and a lot of others. And you are on Splash Pages. Oh, yes, you are. Let rabbit. <laughs> Thank you, Leo. Leo, Leo. Um, Anything else? We got a few so more. Not the cool edited one, Leo. Just the raw footage. Thanks, Leo. Yeah, I didn't work um, on hours editing those but, in TikTok. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, we can wait, tell. Wait, wait, what? 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 I do now? Never mind. I'm yeah, just I'll grabbing. Later. 
Okay. Yeah, you, I, I was yelling at you because you were using the raw footage versus the edited footage that I went and developed in TikTok and dropped Keep like doing it, Leo. 12 bumpers doing in it. the last two days. It's gotten over 5,000 views for Splash Pages and the Darkening, <laughs> goddammit! <laughs> that, is, that is exciting. Uh, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, Drew, about this because you, you said this yeah. was your, your favorite interview. Um, the the last one we were just talking about, Connor Leslie. Well, uh, yeah. well, well, Connor Leslie was one of my favorites, and then the other one was Mitchell West, uh, Mitchell Whitfield, um, who, uh, you know, first thing, what a nice guy. I mean, so pleasant and very enthusiastic. Um, but he loved, you know, I was we we asked him, you know, of course about my cousin Vinny, um, which apparently I won huge points because I said his character's name correctly. Uh, it's Rothenstein, not Rothenstein. Um, he was like, you <laughs> like how do you say Stan, Stan wrong? I don't <laughs> Yeah. But, um, but we also talked, because he did um, Justin, and I thought of you, he was the voice of Donatello in the 2007 Turtles movie. Yep. So we were asking about that. I also know he did a, a character in, in Transformers. And we're just asking all these things. And he had this really great story about how, because he was a character in Sergeant Bilko, which um, Steve Martin was in. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, I don't remember. But he talked about how he got to work with Phil Hartman, working with him. And I was just like, the fact that I our guests Hartman. here, uh, Charlie also talked about Phil. I was just like, these these links. Um, honestly, it was a great convention. Uh, personally, I really learned a lot. Um, I think <laughs> I think Rich, out of all people, knows now that 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 handlers are a trigger for me. Cause I don't really, <laughs> cause I, I don't really like when someone says you can't they talk to no. somebody and they're right there. Um, the handler for Maurice redeemed herself cause she ended up being really cool. Um, but there were one or two people at that con. I was about to say like, I, I, you know what? I'm putting this temper back in and in the holster cause they don't want to get thrown out. But I was about ready to fight a handler or two. I'm like, they're right there. What is so hard about this? Like contracts I get. But it's just like if they give you the runaround or you wait in line, then it's like, oh, we don't do this. I was like, you could have just said that, saved us 30 fucking minutes. Yeah, really? You're like, I thought this was the line to Thunder Mountain, pal. Yeah, I I was definitely definitely the smooth over of the two of us that day, which is interesting. Yeah, Rich was just like, (laughs) calm, calm, calm. Get get some water, get some water. And I'm like, I'm going to get some water. Hey, this when is I... Mitchell Whitfield. You may know me as Barry from Friends or a Stan from my cousin Vinny. And this is Splash Pages. I love it. <laughs> when I met Maurice, um, I actually gave him a comic book because I, I told him I was giving comic books to all the guests that day. And um, I, I gave him a copy of Turok and he goes, Turok, son of stone. <laughs> it was the coolest thing ever. I'm just like, wow. All right. Cool. Enjoy, man. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was it was it was really great. I, I honestly, honestly, I just I gotta be honest. I really look forward to doing more cons with you guys. Like honestly, that's the best. Is that everybody that I've worked with in this network? Everybody is just great. The energy is there. The passion, it just makes it better. And that's what I've always said. Like going to cons is cool, getting attention or not, but it's the team, man. You know, it's the the team. And I'm not to try to be some sort of sentimental after school special tying this shit up with a sentimental message but you know i learned it from watching you no wait <laughs> you know is that the one with the eggs <laughs> <laughs> looks like looks like two strips of bacon short of breakfast to me i don't know 
Yep. There, uh, thanks. I do think it's funny. I do think it's funny that the guests there, the celebrity guests that Dara and I went out of our way to get in line and get autographs and and take photos with, are mm-hmm. a lot of the same guests that you guys went to and and got photos with and in some interviews with and and did bumps and what have you. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny because two of the I had some really good interactions. I mean, they were all great interactions all together. I love but, your uh, visit to story. Oh, it was fantastic. Um, yeah. But the uh, the two best were Connor Leslie and Jason Marsden. Um, for both of them, as just somebody who walked up and said, "Hey, I would really love to get a you know a photograph and, and an autograph," mm-hmm. uh, I ended up we ended up speaking with Connor Leslie for almost 10 minutes and Jason Marsden for almost 15. Jason Marsden actually like we got so into the conversation that he eventually like kind of looked past my shoulder. And he was like, Oh man, I'm sorry. Like we, I got to cut this short. There's a lot of people behind you now. And I was like, Oh yeah. You know what? That tracks man. Absolutely. A not a problem. Yeah. Right? But like he, he, he was really getting into like shooting the shit with me and it was just, it was so genuine and, um, same, same with Connor Leslie. Uh, I, I managed to sneak in like, oh, you know, because she was saying like, oh, I love like alternate reality and alternate history right. stuff. And I was like, oh, you know, I do a podcast about comic books that do stuff like that. It's called Comics Paradox. And, and it's like, oh, do you, you like gladiator movies? Wrote, 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 yeah. Do you like do you like movies about gladiators, Joey? <laughs> and uh, you know, they, she she wrote it down. Um, but uh, it, she, yeah, when when I when I discussed uh man in the high castle with her her she like lit up lit up because yeah uh be- especially because i and in this this is 100 true Derek can back me up on this uh i i i watched man in the high castle you know every new episode that came out and mm-hmm. you know I, I i watched it all the way through i was looking forward to it it was my dad one of my dad's favorite novels um mm-hmm. and so i was aware of it before it was a thing on amazon and uh, obviously, like I'm a dyed in the wool comic book dork on, on top of it. I went from watching Man in the High Castle to a couple of years later watching Titans when it came out, which I'm still doing right now. And the first two episodes of the current season is out, and it's it, they're they're oh, really they good. I didn't know. Yeah, that. they, yeah, Last HBO week. Max. And they're okay. really, they're really good. Like I'm already far more, not that the last season was bad, but I'm far more invested in this season already than I was previously. Less which Jason is, Todd stuff, hopefully. No Jason Todd stuff. So yes. yeah, that's, that's a thumbs up right there. Of course. Um, that right. kid had the most punchable face. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> um, but I said to her, I wa- I went from that to that. And it took me a full season of watching Titans to be like, what the what how do I know this actress? And it blew my fucking mind that she was the same actress that played the sister in Man in the High Castle. And I said, That is that is a testament to both your acting ability and the fact that holy crap, just from meeting you in person, and I'm this is not I'm not trying to like lay it on you here, but like you are, you know, you're, you're a beautiful woman and they really had to tamp that down. And she, and she straight up was like, I had to fight for them to do that. They gave me pretty girl, ugly makeup. And I was like, no, 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 no. You need to make me look like sick and tired 
and drawn out and pallid. Like she was, she, she really went into it. She was like, yeah, they, they really were just trying to go like very Hollywood glossed over like ugly with this. You mean like and, a ponytail and glasses. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> Lainey Briggs. Like, Oh my yeah, God, yeah. she, she changed out of her paint, paint splattered overalls and bled her hair down, took her glasses off. And now she's beautiful. Um, but I will say this, and it, I did not expect this. When she stood up to take the photograph with Dara and I, I was just like, tall. Yeah, she's very <laughs> tall. I was like, whoa. Like, and then like as we're walking in, I'm like, why? Why isn't she actually playing Wonder Woman mm. <laughs> instead of Wonder Girl in Titans? I, you know, uh, mm. it, it, it was mm-hmm. mind-blowing. But yeah, she was she was so great to talk to. And, and Jason yeah. Mars, my one regret was that um, just as I was about to ask him about it, I, I wanted to, to just kind of inquire, like, have I, I assume you've heard of it at the very least, but the Goofy movie episode of Atlanta that had dropped that week right before mm-hmm. Comic-Con, um, mm-hmm. it, it, I, mean, I watch Atlanta, uh, the Donald Glover show on FX, and the, mm-hmm. uh, the last episode's coming up this week. But they did a whole – they talk about alternate reality stuff. Uh, it, it, it's just like this whole different tangent. And they had it – they had this whole backstory as to how a Goofy movie was made. And it, you have to know this show especially to understand like why they were telling this story as like a mini quote documentary the way they were doing it. But it was – it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Like, and I can only imagine they used actual clips from a goofy movie in the episode. Oh, wow. And yeah. And all I could think was like, when I met Jason Mars, I'm like, so what did you, have you seen it? Like, what do you think about it? Cause it's, it's not, it's not a very typical story the way you would think they do. A, it's, it's, not at all what the history of the actual movie is. It's it's based according to what the alternate history of the world of Atlanta is. Um, <laughs> and just as I was getting ready to ask, like, all of a sudden, like, it, it's like people saw Jason Marsden talking to someone and then they were like, oh, we should go, we should go get a photo with him or something. And that's when people started lining up. So, you know, I guess you're welcome. <laughs> but... You know, it it uh it was it was just really cool to to be able to sit back and and talk with some of these folks and not have it be any pressure whatsoever. Same with uh, Rachel McFarlane, uh, she was she was yeah. absolutely oh she great. was there too. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, she, had you, praise. What's that? You had such praise for her when you. Oh, she was her. great, man. Um, she even like she filled out she signed a a photo for us. Uh, and filled the whole thing out, and then like as she was about to hand, she took a look at. It, she was like, "No, I don't, I don't like this at all. Uh-uh. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign a new one. I don't like that." And you know, just boom, like pulled out a new marker, and she's like, "Here, this is much better." Yeah. Yeah. And you know, came around and took a photo with us, and she even, <laughs> I was wearing my Spider Man. Uh, Roosevelt's shirt that day, and she came around. And she was like, "Oh my good, oh well, this shirt is oh my, I just thought it was this is nice. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, but um, she, she was she was an absolute an absolute doll, and uh, Tara Strong's always amazing. Oh, she sure doesn't get a chance to spend. Did you get much to meet her? Time. 
No, oh, Rich. No, Rich oh, was, no, I couldn't get. We couldn't get near her. Her line was always huge. I I did get to laugh one time with her vicinity and be like Tara, and then I bellow my laugh. And she's like, <laughs> she actually, I actually heard her say, she goes, well, "That's a pretty decent laugh." So um, I definitely appreciated that. But hey, Rich is that like, counts. I didn't get to meet her, but I did get to meet E.G. Daly. <laughs> that's that's right. I'll take it. <laughs> oh my God. It's um, almost the same thing. And, and, <laughs> I mean, I know so, that we're having a great time talking about this, but we're, we're coming in an hour and 45 yep. and we haven't talked about what yep. if yet, but I do want to wrap up saying that um, both yeah. Mary Gugliotti from Clerks and uh, Michael Whitfield, um, I've already briefly chatted with on Instagram very quickly awesome. for both with both positive reactions. So uh, what a great time. Uh, great time with Drew. Great time with Leo. It was nice seeing you, Brandon. Justin, we got to have you out next year. I know you want us to go to C2E2, but it's a lot more expensive for us all to grab a flight out there versus us all chipping in 20 bucks to grab a flight to get you out here. Well, uh, I'm (laughs) hoping to do Terrificon in Granite State. So, Justin, I I support you going to C2E2. I went in 2020, and it was absolutely one of the best before the world fell apart. Yeah, I so, was there, <laughs> so we probably ran by each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, and it's so, and it's so funny because uh, we had some technical mis- mishaps, and um, and my cheer up story is that I fucked up my interview with Joe Hill at C two E two is my first one, and and I did the the classic. I'm so starstruck because I'm such a Stephen King fan, and if you ever meet Joe, he looks like his fucking dad. So it's just I've like, met him several times. Yeah, so you know this, and you can back me up. He looks like his some of his dad's old photos, and I was so starstruck. I forgot to press record. Um, so we did do this whole oh, amazing interview, and I just just J-Bo. hate my. But I mean, my my the guy who I was working with, he's able to salvage it, and we still had some really good moments. But like that to me was just the the lesson. I was like, no matter what I do, he... so you know. <laughs> Well, you'll never like, make that mistake again, right? Ever. So there you go. So, That's your you know, takeaway. You never learn. But I will say this before we get to the news, Bren, your story reminded me this one that I've, when I went to Rhode Island the first time, I met Henry Winkler and I paid for a photo op. And I'm so excited because it, it's the fun. It's Henry Winkler. Like, oh, it's like, but for me, you know, I was, I was like, it's Barry Zuckercorn, everyone, like from Arrested Development, right? And I, I get a photo with him. He is the nicest person which I've been told is like the title of my con autobiography. He was just such a nice guy. The story of getting <laughs> autographed. Um, and I told him I'm such a big fan and whatnot. And he, and he had a print. It was him, um, Jeffrey Tamor, and um, the mom. Uh, she passed away. She was Mallory Archer. I always forget her name. Something Dean, uh, Jessica Walter. Thank you, Jessica What's Walter. Her name, What's her name on PCU, Brandon? Yes, PCU. Thank you, Dean. Well, President Garcia Thomas. Thomas, yeah. Um, The Virgil. The Virgil. But he he signed it. And he signed the print for me and he passed to me. He's like, don't you say anything. I was like, yes, sir. So I just got like a free autograph from Henry Winkler and I've always had it. And and I was just thinking like, and it was like, oh, Henry Winkler. I was like, you shut your mouth if you have something negative about that man. Like, yeah, he is. You shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> exactly. It's the same thing. If anyone ever says anything bad about like Maurice or Lorenzo Music, Frank, everything, I was like, you need Rent to shut this down. Say something. 
No, but as I'm saying, but it's I was like, you're that I will shut you down like they should have done Chernobyl. Lock it up. Well, spe speaking of shutting down, <laughs> I'm going to go through the, uh, the news really quick on what I have. And then, Drew, if you want to cover what you have real quick. Uh, but George yes, Lopez did George Lopez did a uh, interview recently and he let slip that uh, most likely Batman is going to be in the Blue Beetle. Hey, cool. Yeah. Which Batman? Uh, we uh, the guy who dresses up because his parents were uh, killed. Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. <laughs> oh, Bruce Wayne. Oh, that guy. Got it. Maybe we should call him yeah. Bruce Wayne. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was not specified, but uh, Batman. I hope if he's in it, they, they give us a quick reminder as to why exactly Bruce Wayne dresses like a bat to fight crime in Gotham City. <laughs> you think I always forget in, alley? <laughs> in, in almost every Batman movie or project I've ever seen. What is it? Oh, that's right. They they well, shoot. Yes, Adam's what, kind of dad was was his, what kind of necklace was his mom wearing? What was it again? What was it? Diamond? Pearl. Oh. That's right. Oh, pearls. Oh. Right, right. Oh, okay. Leo, oh, I didn't nice... see who made that comment, but yeah, they Henry Winkler was Adam enough. Smasher's uh, uncle in uh, in Black Adam. Oh yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Um, Wonder Man starts filming in uh, next year, and if you caught the new uh, Wakanda trailer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They actually say Namor is stronger than the Hulk. No. In water, in water is what they say. Yeah. They say it in water. Yeah, in water. Yeah, yeah, they said it. They, yeah, they said it like this. He's in the ocean. Stronger than that. <laughs> so there's just an ambiguous yeah. statement. I but I mean, guys, really, is he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> well, once again, it all depends on who's writing him. I've I've already been seeing that the, the early reviews are saying Black Panther two is just fantastic. So I mean, I bet it's gonna be good. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah, who's same. seeing it this week? Uh, Listen, when something new comes out, you can pretty much take it for granted. I'm gonna see it. I, I forgot it was happening, but okay. Yes. Um, okay. Which is I'm, we you know, I'm wearing my uh, my 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 new black. Panther Roosevelt shirt to the to the movie. Yeah, he is. Uh, <laughs> I got a pink Panther one. I I missed the boat. <laughs> well, like I'll take one for the the new Inspect Inspector Clouseau. Yeah, adventure. yeah. It's not even the Pink Panther. It's just a big picture of Inspector Clouseau all over. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is wow? Well, that guy's a big fan of Owen's Corning insulation. Yeah, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> what is on this new shirt, Brandon? Because it's not uh, the. The uh, Black Panther from the last series is it? It's it's uh, the it's a purple tribal pattern with Black Panther like all over it. Like it's okay. the actual it's T'Challa. Oh, um, okay, it's T'Challa. Yes, I'm nice. I'm torn as to whether or not I should wear the matching boxer briefs. <laughs> oh, I know the one you got then. Okay, oh, I, I do have the matching boxer briefs. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> the answer is yes. The, uh, the last <laughs> Just tuck the shirt right into those and stroll up. I I believe I have one ticket reserved for me, uh, sir. I believe you have one police vehicle on its fucking way, <laughs> sir. You can't bring that spear in here. <laughs> yeah, don't worry, it's made of vibranium. Yeah. Uh, the the last item I had is uh, quite possibly uh, Mobius will be in Deadpool three. Oh. Yes, so. good Speed boats. No jet skis, right? Jet, jet skis. skis. Jet skis. Nice. Deadpool variants, maybe. 
Yeah, I, I agree, Jabo. I, I call BS too, you know. Yeah, it's it's probably how they just cut the clip. But it, but is yeah. she stronger than Smart Hulk? He is, he is MCU less smart, smart Hulk. Yeah. Probably. Uh, probably. But back to my news, because I don't want to get there. Um there I do have some I do have some sad news I want to cover, and then I have some really good news at the end. Um one sad news, I just found this out today, and it's very sad. Uh, it's a comic book death. This year has been rough for comic book people. Um, and to add to uh, our victories, Kevin, Kevin O'Neill uh, passed away recently um, on the 7th after battling a long illness. Uh, for people who don't know who Kevin O'Neill is, he's a very well-known British comic book artist uh, who's really well-known for his collaborations with Alan Moore. Um, <clears throat> uh, at one point, people joked that he was the person Comic Code was trying to ban um, <laughs> after a story, I believe, in the Green Lanterns, the Green Lantern Annual, which was so intense to the Comics Code. They were like, we can't put the stamp. And they're like, all right, well, then, then don't. That was um, the, Usmalt, the Usmalt one, right? It was. Yeah, that indeed. was rough. Yeah. yeah. It was a very dark story, but genius in its own right. Um, and later on, Kevin became his constant collaborator for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which they did all the way to the end of, um, well, Alan's retirement. And I got to say, I mean, what a loss. I mean, I mean, Kevin O'Neill was such an amazing artist. I loved League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And uh, yeah, that was pretty sad. And then even today... Um, the actor who voiced the Sorting Hat in Harry Potter uh, passed away. His name is Leslie Phillips. He's a British actor. He's 98. Passed away. So wow. to a Pottermore fans, I say what I said to one of my best friends who's a big uh, Potterhead. Um, you know, may he get sorted where he belongs. So. Hufflepuff you know, for life. Every day. Um, and but the good another good news speaking of Spider Verse is that we just found out, or recently we just found out that the uh gentleman uh from uh, I gotta get his name right because I it's gonna bug me if I don't Daniel uh Kijula, uh the guy who was in Kevin Peel's uh, Kevin Peel Jordan nope. Peel's Get Out and Nope, who also played a character in Black Panther. He will Isn't be voicing Kaluuya. Yeah, yes. yeah. Correct. So he he will be voicing Spider Punk in the new Spider Verse sequel. Oh, so, so he's that. So he's gonna do like a Sid Vicious, like British. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, I and know. Uh, I like they, they also announced we're gonna get the Spider Man from the video game, and also uh, Tom Holland Spider Man. Sweet. Wait, does that mean we get Drake Bell? I'll pass, I'll pass on him. <laughs> Anyone still hiring him? No. Uh, you, you didn't like Ultimate Spider-Man? I, no, I, I love Ultimate Spider-Man. I just, you know. The cartoon. Back yeah, yeah, we're at that point where liking Drake Bell isn't cool anymore. So, we're so, just gonna... so Neil Patrick Harris? Yes. That'd be a good one. Because yes. he was the voice of Peter Parker and Spider-Man for the MTV. Yeah, I was just thinking the MTV one. Yeah. yeah. By or, the way, um, you know we had, we had we had Charlie Schlatter on. <laughs> you guys know that he was the original 
uh, voice casting for Fry in Futurama, mm -hmm. right? That I was, you know, just like you wanted to ask Jason Marsden, I wanted to ask him because he kept bringing out Billy West. I was like, do you guys have like a competition going? Like you missed out the chance to be on Fry. So you were just perpetually one, trying to one-up each other voice acting wise. But then I was like, no. They're probably good friends, actually. I'm sure. They probably are. No, listen. There's voice actors are like that. You have to yeah, understand we, for we this interview. That at the con. They all know each other. For this oh, interview, yeah. Brandon, Brandon won. Like this, that was like what I mean by Brandon is that like when you were talking about 18 again, like like you're to you're like, okay, cool. Yes, this I'm I'm hooked. I'm in. I'm here. I'm so glad I said yes to Leo's request to fill in. Cool. Like, I, I, yeah. I, oh yeah, I mean, that you were just seeing the movie. That's that's crazy that you just watched it. Yeah, like mm -hmm. I just purchased it on Vudu and because it was like made available, and because uh, like on <coughs> Vudu right now it's only available in standard def, and I was like, well, not really how I like to roll, but I loved this movie as a kid, so I'm gonna buy it, and I watched it, and then you're like, oh yeah, Charlie Schlatter. I'm like, all right, yeah, I got, <laughs> I got, I got questions. Yeah, I mean, I actually had far more questions than I even asked. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the dude got to work with George Burns and Red Buttons. Yeah, he's that's like insane. Like 20 years old. Like, that's knocking fucks to me. Yeah, Brandon, the, the, when we were talking to him behind the scenes before the before we went live on the show, like, as soon as I heard his voice, like, I, I, I remember him exactly from 18 again. Like, his voice is exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's age it's, has it's, not changed his voice. Like it was instantly recognizable. It's incredible. And yeah. I, I tell you, just what, and here's the other thing. I didn't even, I didn't even bring it up. I forgot until I rewatched it. His friend in the movie, not, not his grandfather's friend played by red buttons, but his, his age appropriate friend that was helping him like paint a mural, like on a, on a factory wall was Polly Shore. Like I completely wow. forgot that Pauly Shore was in that movie. That is the first movie I ever saw Pauly Shore in. Not, I, yeah, Encino I probably haven't seen Man. that movie since, since it came out or since it was yeah, nineteen eighty-eight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I mean, no worries. I don't think a lot of people have necessarily seen it, but you got to think there was. I had I had touched upon it. There was a glut of of those those movies at the time. There was there was eighteen again, like Father Like Son, Big. Vice, yeah, vice versa, freaky Friday, Friday. Yep. yeah. So, having can wait, yeah. Was that, I mean, was that, 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 that was late 70s, though, yeah. But that's the one with Kelly Preston, yeah. No, but Leo, like these movies all came out within like a year and a half to two years. Did, did they do a sequel of Heaven Can Wait or a reboot? Hell Can Wait, <laughs> they did do a reboot, it starred uh, Drag Chris me to hell. Rock. They You're did right. Okay. Oh, right. Yep. Yeah. I, I'm i I can't remember what the name of the Chris Rock version was. Yeah, he was in a white person, like old white person. Yeah, I just, I cannot for the life of me remember. There was another, I remember in the 80s, a, a something like uh, having the heavenly kid. kid. The Heavenly Kid. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Where, the, Jane, where he like, Jane drives Chris the Merrick. car off in the end. What's that? He drives the car off into the sky in the yeah. end. Yep. yep. I, I think that's the one where... Um, that's the Heavenly I, I think Kid, that's, yeah. That's the one that Kelly Preston was in, I think. Kelly Preston? 
Was she what? Really? I think what? so. I don't know. I know Jane Kasmarek, the mom from Malcolm in the Middle, played the girl who dated the greaser before he died, and then you know, is the mother of the kid that he's been sent to help, which it's like, if you've ever seen a fucking movie or a television show before, obviously that kid is his kid. Um, oh, shit. Jane Kaczmarek, Nancy Valentine. No, I don't. I don't see her in this. Hmm. Kelly, no, no Kelly Preston in this. I do remember her in The Experts. <laughs> With John Travolta and Ari Gross. Oh man, I, I remember her in Space Camp. <laughs> wow. I mean, wow, I you did Space, Space Camp. Space Camp. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Use the falls, <laughs> <voice>, Luke. <laughs> so, um, Brandon. So we're talking uh, about- yeah, uh, we cov- <laughs> uh, we covered uh, what if number twenty eight in a previous uh, comics paradox. Do you want to do a, a quick synopsis of that, and we'll pop over to twenty nine, or, or how do you want to handle it? If you would love to hear what happened in issue number 28 of Ca- of What If, which covers what if Captain America had led an army of super soldiers in World War II, I would highly recommend checking out the episode of Comics Paradox that I did with both Leo Pond and Justin Cooper. Uh, you can find it on Spotify, Apple, wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. I highly recommend it. I feel like it'll give you an overall complete idea of what this whole story arc was but we will make this accessible enough right now for you that uh by the time you get to the end you may want to see what that first part was because the second part is definitely different than the first uh in in some interesting and weird ways (laughs) i will say agreed so yeah, check it out on Comics Paradox. The the episode's already up, and uh, you know it's it's just waiting for you. Go ahead and stick it in. Press play. Whoa! It's your homage <laughs> to the uh, the first appearance of Captain America in the Avengers cover. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. Um, I do I do love how we can we know that Frank Castle is in some Stark designed armor because. Why why wouldn't Frank Castle put a giant white skull all over fucking everything? You guys just ever wish yeah. the Punisher would go away. <laughs> yes, I call that I call that days that end in why. Yeah. I'm just not a Punisher fan. Like listen, I for those of you the out there who, okay. who yeah. love the Punisher, good on you. You know, that's that's great. Well, apparently I wish uh... I was one of you. Apparently, so, John Brenthal's in uh, training to uh, come back to the MCU. Yeah, yes. and you know, the funny thing about that for me is um, the show that was on Netflix, mm-hmm. I've never seen a single fucking episode of it. And I, it I've, I've, I've watched any number of things mm-hmm. out there, including a good portion of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I just had no desire to watch that show at well, all. Well... Listen, you know, there's some like it is what it is. Personally, I'm a Punisher fan of only if he's written in a good way. Like my favorites are always when Garth Ennis was writing Punisher because I just think that he he captures the spirit. Well, Frank is a monster. He is. He accepts who he is. He does what he does. And eventually he knows one day he will finally die. But yet, yes, he just keeps going, keeps killing and. 
I don't, I just think Garth Ennis really had that nice balance of gallows humor, uh, action and whatnot. And he was paired with Steve Dillon. I mean, it was a dream team. So just, yeah. And listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum. I'm, I'm, I mean, I legitimately, I legitimately mean it when I say if, if one is into the Punisher, by all means, enjoy yourself, you know, but I just, I wish. I for me it's few and far between that I am just entirely me personally entirely uninterested in any aspect of a character and mm-hmm. for me the punisher like ticks off that box it, it's just a character I've I've never really I guess I can't I I've never really truly wrapped my head around I've mm-hmm. give, I've read the I've read Punisher War Journal in the past. Like I've tried, you know what I mean. I've sat down. Yeah, I've, I've, just not I've always, and I just I couldn't do it. I think part of it too is, as a kid, and, and I know this might be odd, especially for a kid growing up in the '80s, but I was given you know several Marvel treasuries, you know, so you had a mishmash of different stories, and quite literally the first story I ever read with the Punisher in it was a reprint of the first story the Punisher was ever in, where he was hired to assassinate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So as a kid, like coming up in my head, like the Punisher was not a good guy. Mm-hmm. I, so why would I, why would I root for him? It's sort of the same thing for me with Venom. Honestly, right. like I, I understand that Venom looks cool, but I'm like, he's a bad guy, right? I mean, we're in agreement on that at the point in time that he was popping up, you know, they first arrived and uh, it's become a different thing now altogether. But um, well, uh, how do you rationalize Brandon then? Cause the same time when, as the Punisher was becoming popular, so was Wolverine. Lobo. Oh, you know, Wolverine is somebody I, I just uh, did not come around on until... or Lobo maybe. Oh, nope. Didn't like, I don't really care for Lobo either. Okay. So you just don't like that era of character. Yeah, it's it's well, it's tough, man, because I like Lobo for what Lobo is supposed to be, if that makes sense. I don't like Lobo for what fans expected him to be, because I think the joke of Lobo in his creation was unfortunately lost on a lot of people. You know, they 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 didn't quite get at that point in time that he was a commentary on those types of characters Right. And now over the years, he's just become, you know, absolutely laden with the same type of tropes that he was supposed to be like poking a little bit of fun at. Uh, So there's this expectation like Lobo is just like the space badass that that can, you know, throw down with anybody. And it's like, all right, well, that's pretty much like the arc of the characters. As far as what do you think of Lobo's thumb? Lobo's thumb. Yeah, you, you guys watch uh, what was it? Um, uh, Young Justice with Lobo's thumb, which just sits there at the end credits for the entire third season. Jesus, no, I I did not catch that. <laughs> That's pretty fun. I didn't mean to start like a whole diatribe about uh, the Punisher. You know, um, I I just um, I think that Marvel uses him in these. And it, they just like use him all the time. It's like, let's get one guy who you know is like a really good soldier and stuff, and like just throw him at stuff. I'm like, you know what? You could have picked like Wyatt Wingfoot, or you could have p- picked like 
uh, I don't know, Dum Dum Duggan or like anybody else, but it's just like, oh, let's throw the Punisher out there, and, well, and it I just think, it's kind of like boring. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that again, that's why I've said like him. I feel like they Marvel does the same thing with Wolverine. They just want that unstoppable, antagonistic, fuzzy brawler. They're like Wolverine. He's good. I mean, you know, it's the same thing with all Spider-Man. Of a sudden, all of a sudden, oh, Puck isn't guy. cool. I guess whatever. Hey, yeah. Puck has never been cool. <laughs> <laughs> you take hey, that hey, back. You take that back. I love Puck, but, but he's not cool. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Alpha flight, my dude. Stop it. They're well written but, too. So but I just think what it is, it's just with Marvel. Again, I just think that just they like it's just like their movies. They like to sometimes play it safe. It's it's not about the risks and whatnot. And personally, I reading this, I feel like I really should read more what ifs because I love when you you consider possibilities, you know, it's you know, those are yeah, the best baby. Stories. That's what we do over Comics Paradox. We are the fucking dreamers of dreams. You know, uh, and you know, shit. Check out <laughs> our snozberries. He gets it. The same, <laughs> the same thing with you know, like what DC did with Elseworlds. That's what Marvel does with What Ifs, and not and we everyone, cover both. <laughs> not every, not every one is great, but they're again. You got to give credit for the creativity. I mean. Oh yeah, no. If you yeah, listen like, to if you listen to like ugh, some of yeah. the very first episodes where we did like volume one, what if shit from Marvel? Mm. I think the worst one was uh, um, when Jane. Oh my god! Hammer. What if Jane Foster yeah. had found the Hammer of Thor? Ugh. We just tore that fucking issue apart. <laughs> like we, you could if you when you listen to it, you can hear us all rubbing our individual temples <laughs> through the microphone just. Oh my fucking god! Like, like I'm apologizing to them and the listeners. I'm like, I'm so sorry, guys. This is all on me. I picked this. But you know, but like with this one, like I have just to say context. I did have to read issue 28 just because I was like, okay, I want to understand the full scope of things. Um, this issue was great. I will say this: just the the differences of this world and whatnot. Um, I just also found it funny that. Someone's like, oh, hey, let's put the Punisher in an Iron Man suit. I was like, yes. And yet, 30, 40 years down, someone would do something similar. Like, oh, hey, let's give the Punisher the war machine suit. Everything like, has yeah, been done at this point. Yeah. yeah. From what ifs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's actually part of the fun of going through, especially volume two. It's like, oh, well, here it was in 1987. You tricky devils, you. You, think, you thought we wouldn't yes, find out, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to read that far. <laughs> well, There's speaking there. of reading, uh, Brandon, why don't you take us through the episode or the issue? Sure. The issue. Yeah. The ish, issue. Sode. Issue. Um, issue so, I mean, we, we can we can start off, you know, basically this is a continuation from issue number 28. This is part two of two uh, in which we are, are seeing the uh, answer to the question, what if Captain America had formed the Avengers? Uh, it's important to keep in mind that the Avengers had already been formed when Captain America was found frozen in ice, and then he joined the team. Uh, in in this particular issue, uh, we're dealing with the aftermath of the Super Soldier Serum uh, being mass-produced because right after Steve Rogers received that and the Vita Rays that activated it, uh, he was actually able to push Dr. Erskine out of the way of the assassin's bullet and saved his life. So 
he had the opportunity to continue making the super soldier serum for operation rebirths uh, for the military's operation rebirth in the United States. Uh, because of that, Howling Commandos basically become the uh, the new group of super soldiers that Steve Rogers as Captain America, tr- you know, just tramples through Germany with, and uh, he comes back to being a, a war hero. Uh, everybody's, you know, everybody's uh, super thrilled with with Captain America and the like, and uh, we get to let's see. I'm trying. I'm trying to buzz through here. I don't. I'm like, maybe I should have reread 28 before <laughs> we did this. Um, let's see. Yes, he is. Is he elected at this point? Yeah, yeah. He became elected president, and then just got reelected and reelected. And uh, because of his super soldier serum, he's not aging. So he's he's just become like the perfect dictator. For America, and uh, he decides to make the super soldier serum available to American citizens. Uh, but oh, look at this! Apparently, it doesn't work on African American people, on black people. So you know, I guess it's just uh, all the white people who are going to get the super soldier serum. And now there's just been a whole new class system created within the United States of America. Um, still based on lines of prejudice and hatred. And uh, they've instituted, uh, you know, basically shield hunter squads, just searching out uh, anybody that could potentially be enhanced individuals or be considered enemies of the state. And uh, so it's basically just a bunch of super trained shield agents who also are super soldiers. Um, That was right. Yeah, the, the the trick of it all, the control portion is Steve Rogers has the super soldier serum. He doesn't need anything extra, but Americans need to get a booster shot in order yeah. to maintain the enhancements that the super soldier serum provides. Uh, and yeah, towards coming into the story, we, we actually come upon what the last one ended with uh, Namor for some reason. I, had he was wandering New York City uh, with amnesia and looking very unkempt, and he gets chased down by one of those hunter squads, and he finally, for the first time in however long, apparently, falls into a, the nearby body of water, and as soon as he hits the the bay, he remembers who he really is, and he goes, he starts tearing shit up, and he manages to uh, swim all the way up north to the Arctic. And that's where he comes across a group of Eskimos worshiping uh, an ice deity, which the whole thing is like super like, okay, this was, this was very culturally off (laughs) just all together. But as he shoots them away, he sees that the figure in the ice is in fact a frozen Captain America. And just as he's kind of trying to figure out how to deal with that, he gets rolled up on by Iron Punisher. Yes. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah, Iron Punisher. Let's go with that. Iron Punisher. And uh, he, he shoots Namor in the back with his uh, very war machine-like apparatus on his wrists. And, uh, you know, 
they they nab Namor, this uh, this kill squad, this hunter squad, and the now broken out of the ice body of supposedly Steve Rogers. Uh, everybody's scratching their head trying to figure out how the hell Captain America could be frozen in ice when Captain America is the president of the United States of America. Yeah, and that's uh, him and his buddy Clint Barton. Yeah, and I was gonna say, and as yeah. these guys are talking, we've dun, come dun, to realize dun. that one of these uh one of these hunter dudes from Shield is is Clint Barton, also known as Hawkeye in uh the regular 616 or whatever you want to call it. And uh it's it just goes to show you how how affected some of these folks would be by this reality. Also important to note that aside from Frank Castle. Uh, every single one of these shield dudes is gigantic, like muscular and blonde. They they yeah. all look like Steve Rogers wannabes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, pretty- must be John Walker. Yeah, <laughs> two, two of the guys in one of the panel look just like it's like the same fucking face <laughs> twice. Lower left hand panel, right there. Yep, it's it's yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Good. You would think those that are the Winklevoss like- twins. Oh, yeah, their hair weaves are different though. Oh yeah, yeah, one part's on the left and one part's on the right. I didn't catch that. I mean, that's a good signifier. It's very easy to tell them apart now. <laughs> but I mean, I'm Marlene. But, yeah, so I mean, you know, we get we get uh, Steve Rogers, you know, kind of coming to from his you know fifty year ice slumber. And I do. What's that? It was like he was like, yeah, I was on a boat. What? <laughs> I was on a boat, and then there was some pew pews and explosion, and now I'm here. I don't understand it. I do. I do like that he says to uh, Frank Castle. He's like, you rely too much on fancy weapons. <laughs> like you have a yeah. super soldier serum in a disc. Fuck you, Steve Rogers. <laughs> I wish he woke yeah. up and like asked about like uh, like a, a program at the time. It'd be like, did Little Orphan Annie ever escape from that well or something like that? And it's like, do you like think what happened to Lamont Cranston? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what what uh, does the message "Why Ovaltine" mean? <laughs> <laughs> what, what the hell is Ovaltine? <laughs> the Lindbergh baby, tell me about the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> <laughs> did Lassie ever get out of the? They didn't make it. Well, Lassie made it, but that was forty years ago. So now we've got a new Lassie. <laughs> what happened in t- issue number thirteen of Captain Whizbang? I need to know. No, <laughs> the Whiz didn't bang. No, <laughs> but no, it, it, I need and to tell you this, Steve. But it was canceled. <laughs> But then basically once he gets and I'm just thinking like my God, you're getting you're you're getting your facts from Frank Castle and Namor. I was like, Yes, the most reliable of Marvel yeah. sources. Oh, for sure. He yeah. doesn't even yeah. say Imperious Rex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, look at this Fomor here, this fake Namor Fanmore. I mean, my thing my thing with, with Namor here is like the whole amnesia thing, okay fine sure you're wandering around new york city wearing a trench coat and pants and you're like i don't know who i am i don't know i don't know what a razor is i I can't (laughs) remember how to get a haircut 
But how did you not pick up on the fact that you had fucking wings on your ankles? Like that, that never stood out to you? Right. Like, hmm, and maybe I should. Don't act like you're walking, wearing shoes because you're homeless. So, you know, you probably walk around in socks or something. Just... But for me, it just like, it was like, I thought about it. I was like, wait a second. This is so weird. I'm kind of dumb because like, oh, I got exposed to water. So like, if this guy took a bath, then suddenly, oh, <laughs> that's know, what I'm saying. It's the first water. time he's touched water in all the time. He's... Yeah, like rain he, doesn't he drinks... count. Yeah, I'm just thinking like he drinks a bottle of water and suddenly, oh, I remember now. Like Makes me think that old like rain. Captain America or Avengers cartoon <laughs> once again, man. Like fucking Namor sees a pool and he's like, ah, oh, yes. I will jump into this pool of water to refresh myself and regain my strength. And he just jumps right in. And the second he plops in, he goes, wait a minute. This isn't water. It's alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) It's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen or heard in my life. It's alcohol. And I'm just thinking, party pool. You know, that's what I'm thinking. (laughs) He never once splashed water on his face. Not a fucking time like i yeah. just don't get it and and then you know you've got these two i was like hey look it's namor the hobo and we've got you know the worst person the to put iron on punisher iron with with the the shield kill boys yeah it's yeah exactly and then you know somebody who really needs to take a nap but not and it's just yeah. like we're gonna put the band together what what band we're gonna we're gonna avenge them that's where we're going to have fallen dreams. Oh, wait, they're not dead. Hold you know, my talking, beer. talking to these two dudes the first time you, like, you're coming back after being frozen, it's like the fucking scene in Labyrinth with the two doors. Like, one tells the truth and one lies. But how do you... You can only ask one question. That's how you get by him. Who's, the, who's who? How do you figure it out? Like, this is an impossible situation for Captain America. And he's still just like... We'll be a team. Like, wow, Steve, you're a really trusting fellow. (laughs) And I don't know if I could do that. He's like, I got no one. I've been dead asleep for 40 years. I I, I think I work for for you, but you're the president. Oh, interesting. Hey, have you noticed how the two guys that were your partners that we locked up look an awful lot like Nazis? (laughs) Yeah. And... Then I got to say, this is an interesting twist for Wolverine. Like to me, this really said to me, like the, the writer did their homework because like, I, I didn't even know that that story was a thing. I'm like, Oh wow. Like, you know, and it was even funny having like the watcher kind of explain it. Cause he's the narrator and the thing. He was just like, Oh yeah. Do you remember this thing? This happened in your world. Yeah. It did happen in this one. And I'm like, thanks, Mr. Watcher. Yeah, you know, just helping you with the story, Timmy. Well, well this means at some point uh, Logan will had had to have eaten human flesh, and to be uh, you know punished, he gets the curse of the Wendigo. Well, he's but he calls himself the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Surprising, yeah. absolutely no one. Yeah, yeah that was surprising. I was like Wolverine, but he's the Hulk, but he's the Wendigo, and I'm just like multiverse. It's a threefer. He doesn't have the tail, though, does he? I, I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't no, I don't see the. No, I don't think so. At... Yeah. Well, Wendigo has a uh, has a tail, so the Marvel version yeah. does at least. If you ever read um, 
the uh the Hulk one eighty one or um the mm-hmm. was it astonishing X Men? No. Where they no fought tail. like a whole army. Yeah, of no. When to go? When to go has a tail? Absolutely. Oh. In this one, well, I'm saying this one, one in, in this one does not. He doesn't appear to. Yeah, he's that. like Sasquatch from Alpha Flight, kind of. Pretty much, yeah. So it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a fourfer. It's a quarter. <laughs> and then I got to be honest, like this is an interesting twist on Sam Wilson, and and um, you know, Giant Man and stuff. But I I got to be honest with you, I'm like. I was like, Frank, no, no, I don't want a racist Frank Castle, please. Like, but you ha- I mean, within the context of the story, though. Oh, it no, it makes, makes sense. It, it makes sense. No, it does. But I'm just like, oh, no, Frank. We, we want to like always Frank. a good guy, you know, like like you can always count on Sam to be like your, your tried and true anchor of morality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is pretty dependable. That's for sure. Like he is, yeah. he is a fucking like good dude through and, and through. And he didn't need to put on the, the 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 original Falcon costume to be a good dude this time. But it's oh, interesting they chose what an ugly Wilson costume. versus Bill Foster because Bill Foster was already giant or giant man and Black Goliath. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. That's true. Yeah. yeah, maybe maybe because of the Captain America connection they went with instead. Yeah, that's probably you know what that's that's probably what they were sticking yeah, with. Maybe. 100%. I was wondering that the first time I read this too, Rich, about that, like why they didn't go with uh, Bill Foster. Because mm-hmm. you're right, he was definitely around at this time. Because this mm-hmm. was well after his term in the Avengers. He was probably dead. I mean, come on, look at that. The, the, the murder squad was just like, ah, no, you're a threat. Bye. I mean, I'm, I'm like, he's dead. Uh, we, we didn't get to uh, Civil War for years. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another another place. Frank Castle shows up and, and ruins and, everything. And, I just, <laughs> and, and I, again, another case of where Magneto is just supposed to be the bad guy. And I'm just like, you know, wow. Like I really thought, like the first issue was like, no, they're like, Watchers, like, see, because of this, you don't get Magneto. And I'm here we go. See, look, if someone had just freed him a little earlier and given him a hug. <laughs> Yeah, well, thanks. this is. His I guess costume. that's how that works, Uatu. This, this is his costume from when he was leading the New Mutants. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, and and quite frankly, I mean, he's really not a bad guy here. He he, I mean, look at look at what he gets pushed to. He, yeah, he was a big guy. Got slaughtered in front of him. Yeah, I mean, this is a very different reason for Magneto to do what he does. Oh, and, totally. And definitely still stemming, still stemming from you know the horrors that he was made you know witness to and, and experienced mm-hmm. himself as a child in in Auschwitz and whatnot. I, I just I shouldn't say and whatnot dots. in Auschwitz. Um. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's I mean, it's definitely a more sympathetic view of him than he was given particularly at this point in time in comics regularly, you know, there was still just more focusing on Magneto being more just a megalomaniac than, than anything else. It's uh, it's, it's interesting to see that the seeds for exploring the, the psychology behind what he does were, were there for quite some time. And it just took, it took maybe a little bit more, advanced storytelling to to get yeah. to the point where they could explore that you know figure out I, how to... I disagree on that because this is post god loves man kills so i i think we're already there with magneto in 
canon here. Chris, yeah, what, really? What, what year did this come out, Brandon? Is this late 80s? Oh, shit. I, I closed the window on all the info. On it, that's okay. I, I mean, because uh, I'm just thinking the Magneto that we have here is going to be, you know, the, the guy who's struggling with, you know, teaching um, the new mutants and all that. And he's a deep character. He's been de-aged and then re-aged and he's had a trial and they found him innocent. So he's not a supervillain. This Magneto in this era. And he's not going to go back to being that until, you know, the, the end of like X-Men. Oh, number yeah. One. 1991. Wow. This was. Yeah. yeah so later because than I Charles, thought it was. Charles went off with Lalandra and mm-hmm. left Magneto in charge of. Um, right. Yeah. Charles, the real Chester. villain, faked his death a third time. You know, <laughs> it's like. Yeah, See, this is why you guys know more about X-Men than me is, is because that shit read like a super powered fucking all so my popular. children. Jesus. Just don't try to keep the, the continuity. Like I was talking to old man Wade about Bishop, and he's like, "I hate Bishop," but I, I was just like trying to go through it. I'm like, "What don't you like about you know?" And it's like, you can say one thing about a character you like, and then literally the next issue completely counteracts everything that happened. So it's like that's X Men. Deal with it. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. that, and that's how I deal with it by not right. dealing yeah. with it. Yeah. You may as well be like, I like, I like the character random, you know, like, okay, why? Oh, he, he hasn't done anything, you know, that, you know, different <laughs> no, since, I mean, uh, if somebody like, attractions in 95. Okay. You like the character random. Why? Uh, my, my reasons vary from time to time. My reasons vary. I like multiple yeah. man for multiple reasons. Yeah. <laughs> so you get it. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's, it's just the single tier. Dropping down the cheek, you know the Claremont <laughs> trademark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just gotta remember, yeah. but you have to do it as you're walking away. Just, it's so sad. I mean, you can think of the Lonely Man theme from The Incredible Hulk if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no one can stop you. But, so, but this so is not have... an X Men book, so we digress. Yes, right. indeed. <laughs> so uh, but, we got we get a, a Magenta Magneto, which is super cool. Interesting. Yes, uh-huh. I mean. I don't. I don't hate it. I'm not gonna lie. No, I, but I, I like bright colors. Yeah. I think we can tell. Um, yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. On. So Mag- Magneto's just losing his shit because he. Yeah. Move the pages. This this just happened, and then right in front of his face is Captain America. Like this guy is just living a PTSD nightmare right now, mm-hmm. and uh, he is he is ready to tear steve rogers limb from limb uh in straight up like as an older man now i must i must remind you does say to captain america do you not recognize me a boy you freed from the nazi death camps i mean Hmm. you were like six so (laughs) probably not but that i'm glad that happened (laughs) he's like oh yeah you had a beard then yeah (laughs) But for Captain America, that might have only been a week ago. You were the yeah, exa- yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like oh, you were the small mustachioed lad, weren't you? <laughs> no, that was Salvador Dali. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, you, <laughs> the, you the were rather the talented artistic boy. You were the thin kid. It's like yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was the thin kid in the pajamas. You nailed it. No, the one with stripes. Ha 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 ha. But you know, <laughs> all right. And then, and then it just becomes a big heist thing, and and it was just like, I feel like sometimes what I liked about this, I don't know who wrote it, 
I didn't, I didn't remember the details, but you know, I liked what they told you. Cause you're like, Oh my God, they're talking about all these people who are dead. And I'm just like, Oh man, this one isn't here too. And I'm like, this world sucks. Yeah. Like, talk about calling all the greatness. Um, but then, I mean, talk about all cameos, like again, Thor, man. And Thor is just going ham. Like the next page, Leo, the next page, like when he just chucks his hammer and it just plows through super soldiers. It's like, fuck you, you uber dicks. Yeah, no, yeah, no. It's, it's, it's very satisfying to watch me on there. One kid punched a nun. <laughs> <laughs> Brick killed a guy. <laughs> I mean to talk to you about that. I do like I do like President Steve Rogers getting the call on the red phone, and uh, all we get from him is, "Yes, Project Rebirth, I understand." <laughs> like that—that's the phone call. Yeah, and then, and then you got these really nice, you know, full page shots. It's great, and then I will say that's this: a great splash page they have there. Hey, that's the name of the it. show. He said the thing. <laughs> he said the name of the thing and the thing. Oh, I love when they do that. <laughs> That's, I, and we I, didn't I, even I, need Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just had to Ron Howard Arrested Development. Like it's like Arrested Development. Hey, that's the name of the show. I'm like, <laughs> well, <laughs> we should pack it in now. Um, <laughs> so but, yeah. Uh, the really twist, cool seeing like, these these, wow. rev- these Avengers assemble. Mm-hmm. Avengers. Ah. Um, oh, level yeah. X Operation Rebirth is the uh, large vault-like looking door that uh, Captain America, I guess I'll say for differentiation here, is mm-hmm. uh, coming up on. And he puts his, his hand... I'm assuming he took his glove off for the palm reading... Scan here, mm-hmm. uh, and it just but, happens to work. And uh, yeah, look at that. Let's him it admits him, and there he finds Dr. Erskine, the creator of the super soldier serum. And the guy is like 126 years old, but he's being kept alive by his own, his own serum. And uh, he recognizes him, uh, the doctor recognizes him obviously as Steve, and um, he's He's just been in there protected quote protected to make sure that you know they can keep getting the super soldier serum and he has no idea how long he's even been locked up doing it and that's when captain america takes him out and he's like here here's a here's a, a bunch of news stations check out what what you've done dickhead and yeah. it just shows him all the problems of america just the the racial divisions the people getting killed uh, left and right because they decided they wanted to try to fight crime. I think, I think one of the screens actually shows daredevil getting capped from the rooftop. Yeah. Of, yeah. That totally is like, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and like, oh man, Matt Murdoch. He never saw it coming. He did. But, and then, and, and, and then <laughs> yeah, the second time we've used it tonight. Um, and then you have, you know, president Rogers shows up. And then we have no one ever suspects the Crimson Inquisition. (laughs) It was me, Red Skull, the whole time, you feckless boobs. (laughs) Red herring. (laughs) Thank you, pup named Scooby Doo. 
<laughs> that's, that's a common theme on our shows, actually. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it really is. <laughs> red I herring. See, I always wanted to see that at a con. Just someone do red herring. And just oh, show that'd be up. great. Just, that would be pretty just, funny. It wasn't me this time, Jones. God. <laughs> How many times are I going to tell you leave me alone, Jones? <laughs> and then the one time it really was him. And he has a damn meltdown. <laughs> yes, but, it turns out all along that President Steve Rogers was in fact the Red no, Skull. Dun, 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 dun. And then he has to explain how he did it as well, because that's truly villainous. Now, now you listen to the plans I made to t- to overtake your country, yeah? Here's how yeah. it started. See, the, and on, on the first, I made sure the ship you were on exploded. <laughs> I mean, that's actually kind of how it goes down. Hey guys, you think um, he'll say yeah. Ubermensch a bunch of times? Easter got the Ubermensch out of me, I do love the Ubermensch. It has a nice tone. You know, it's very nice. I mean, it just rolls least, off, the, off our, our German tongue so well. At least we're trying to like go with German accents instead of making them Italian. That, like that's a good uh, Bronson Pin show there, uh, Drew, from. Uh... <laughs> oh, Axel <Yeah. ex-a-fully. laughs> Oh, All the young viewers will get that, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> You're fucking nailing the, the timely callbacks. Um, references. <laughs> well, but, uh, yeah, we, we have uh, the Red Skull revealing that he managed to make a clone of Steve Rogers' body um, resplendent with super soldier serum. And uh, they bombed the boat that he was on, and that's how he ended up getting stuck in the ice and being, in, you know, in suspended animation. Essentially, he had his brain, whatever, put into the clone's body and came back posing as Captain America to slowly infiltrate the United States government and do exactly what he's done to America. And in which and this will happen. Gonna We're going to take over the world. And this will happen in regular Marvel 616 continuity eventually as well. Yes, yeah. this this is this is probably literally what they have planned for next June. <laughs> so, no, it's already happened. Oh, ha- oh yeah. yeah. Watch this space. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you guys might not be ready for it. <laughs> but, but your kids, kids are going to love it. <laughs> Dear God. So, Too loud. So yeah, you Go have, ahead. and then you finally have, you know, uh, the big fight. Like, I can't believe you did this. You destroyed my last work. So we have Erskine finally, like, again, it's everything that, that the Watcher was like, hey, you remember this happened in your world? Well, it's still going to happen in this world. It's going to happen later. So Ers- Erskine's going to die. And then you have the fist fight, and thank God it ends because I'm like, that's too much Steve Rogers. Like, yes. like Steve fighting Steve. Thank God they didn't do one of those, like, shoot him. Shoot him. Which one is the real Steve Rogers? Oh, my Wait God. Wait to see which one has the robot face that falls. That's the that's the. It's all Ethan Smith. I mean, yeah. I, will, I will say it's a little different, too, though, because Erskine isn't just, like, a passive victim. He actually is jumping to protect Steve, like to protect mm-hmm. Captain America, um, because the Red Skull, you know, is straight up about to cap him in his head. And, you know, he 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 went out of his way to save the real Steve Rogers life. 
And now Steve, of course, is going to have to mollywop the Red Skull while the Red Skull is wearing his face. Hmm. Yep. I wonder if yep. he looked down at any point. He was like, you know what? That is America's ass. <laughs> but and then, oh, yeah, again, my red. <laughs> you just have, and then what I love about this is that at the end, this is basically the the like a Thelma and Louise ending. Like you just you just this is off. Like this is the the final run. This is the end. Like you, they're not going to make it. You know this, yeah. and they're like, listen, we're ending on a high note. And yeah, just, I mean, like they yeah, straight up just Thor went up against throw like, his hammer again right yeah. to the crowd of people. I, and there's no reason half. Thor shouldn't have made it. Yeah, know? Thor should be the one that. Verily, they did fight brave. That was messed tale. up. That was a messed up six minutes. Yes. I assure you, all of those men have made it to Valhalla. It Thank you. Yeah, it skips the mead and protects Earth. But then Ant Man is like, no, kids, that's what happened to the Avengers. And that's why we made them a statue. And yep. just like, great. Well, when and that know. statue sits exactly where, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What, what you don't realize it seems like the world's longest Marvel Paul Harvey story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on on the park bench though, that is uh, Steve Rogers as an old man. Knew it. <laughs> and now you know the rest no, of the I story. No, I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you survive, Steve? Can you tell us? No, I don't think I will. <laughs> so, Steve, you think you you can give us a satisfying ending to this two part story? No. No, I'm going to let the other bald guy that's not Brandon to end the story. Yeah. <laughs> He's the Wendigo. Steve ate all the human flesh. <laughs> hey, listen, Uatu provides some pretty important information sometimes, but we have legitimately read issues where Uatu is a real bitch about his job. Oh, <laughs> I mean, man. Like, He's so catty. At one time, he was like, straight up, he was like, must I really go through this with you again? It's like, yeah, bro, I bought your comic. Now fucking fork it over. <laughs> well, he's not Somebody didn't want to do their job so. that month. <laughs> Fuck you, dudes. So, but, but yeah, so, so that was uh, that was what if uh, Captain America formed the Avengers? Uh, turns out it's um, it's bad news bears if you were on the Avengers, man. It didn't work out. Uh, but you know, I guess America. America was better served for ha it having happened. You know, this first is a time. weird one. A very strange, first very strange follow-up to the first part, which I will say was the much stronger part of this story. Um, it was pretty solid, I'm not going to lie. But the fact that they go like a lot more dystopian and sort of you know, Manchurian candidate esque. Yeah, you know, yeah. With yeah. heavy on that. Um, I can appreciate it. You know, it, it went from it went from like the sci-fi, you know, old timey sci-fi war story to you know, seventies, eighties political thriller. Okay. Yeah. You know, it makes sense for the times that they were supposed to be taking place in. Um, it's just as I guess for me personally, uh full on like loving the flights and tights as well as the talking heads uh, that that first half, it's just, it's just such a cool idea at, at that part of it. Like, Oh man, imagine if Steve Rogers hadn't been the only super soldier, you know, he had like dumb, dumb Dugan and, and Nick Fury right there by his side. Also super soldiers. Like, man, 
what kind of difference would that make? And this second part of the story certainly zags when you think it's going to zig. So, you know, points yeah, to them for that. They they definitely subverted expectations for how that story could go. Um, uh, I think as a whole, it's it's a little uneven, but enjoyable. I think. Yeah. Oh, definitely se- enjoyable. Separate parts. You could read the first part and, and be like, whoa, that was fucking, that was dope. And you could read, if you read just this second part, even with the synopsis they give you at the front, a uh, full page of it, uh, you'd be like, ah, I don't, that, based on this, I don't know if that first one would be any good or worth my time, you know, and how wrong you would be. So, you know, it speaks to, it speaks to maybe a good example for why they made some of these what ifs later after they finished the series proper as mm-hmm. specials, because it allowed them to expand upon the normal length that they were given for some of these comics. Cause this may have worked better if it were able to be one flowing story as opposed to separate. Imagine waiting a month to read that through and through like you got the first part and then you kind of did. Part. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> True, but I mean, waiting for it, like genuinely like, oh, I can't wait till this issue comes out next month so I can get the second part of this. And then you get it and you're like, oh. Well, the cool thing about stories like this, Brandon, though, is that it doesn't have to be perfect to give you a good headspace about it and to make you think. You know, and, and it really reminded me of like one of the episodes of Sliders that I saw where it's like, what if the United States lost the uh, the World War Two? And, and it kind of puts you in that headspace. You're like, oh, I wonder about this. Like, where would Colossus be? Or, you know, how come Doctor Strange isn't here? Like, and it, it puts me in that sort of headspace, which. Oh, yeah. And, and we've enjoyable. talked we've talked about that before in, in past episodes about certain stories. Absolutely. That's one of the fun parts about reading these alternate tales is that where it ends uh, you know on the page doesn't mean it has to end there for you you know i mean still go outside and say hi to an actual person every once in a while don't worry about this but you know it's it's there for you and you can play with that and i mean that's how people become writers and creators later because they they enjoyed doing that with the things that were given to them initially um you know, the, we, I think uh, one of the ones we talked about before we got to the sequel was um, Superman, Last Son of Last Son of Earth. Yeah, Last Son of Earth, where the way they leave it with before you move on to Last Stand on Krypton is like, oh, like things are going to be so different now that he came back. Like, I wonder what that space is going to be like. And granted, they answer that question for you in, in the follow up story they do, but the space between. That's that's a lot of fun speculation. Um, there's going to be plenty of what if in Elseworld stories where we we are going to do exactly that. We've mm-hmm. we've 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 had questions about what we could possibly see in other things. I mean, Speeding Bullets was one of them, where we 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 each talked about oh, yeah. what we thought like the rest of that world would look like. You know, you have your amalgamation of like Batman and Superman and. <laughs> oh, I had to finally get it. Dude, I love it. Uh, yeah, it's I have it right here. It's fantastic. Woo! That's a good size. Uh yeah, and he oh yeah, dude. That's my McFarlane, McFarlane, man. McFarlane, man. And uh wow. Yeah, it's it's I, I pre-ordered it. I was so happy when it came. <laughs> but yeah, that's one we talked about it at length where we 
we kind of expanded our own like head cannon on that because we had all had somewhat differing points point of views points of view on that and it was fun just to kind of trade ideas on it you know so that's you know that's one of the biggest fun pieces of talk of talking about these things as well as if you don't know the history that they're altering it it could hopefully be the impetus for you to go and check out that original story i i I always found that to be fun as a kid especially who didn't read a lot of marvel that in order for me to kind of know through and through what the point of this might have been i sometimes had to read like a few issues of an actual like comic book series to get the full effect you know i i think i think that's a smart way to get people to know more of your stories and buy more of your stuff, you know, have it all there at their fingertips. It certainly hooked me. Sometimes they would put this stuff in um, like the trading cards too. They'd be like, Hey, check it out. Here's a, what if And you'd be like, well, what's that? Oh yeah. But I think it was just a great way to, to put some information at people's fingertips, especially because they were really good. in what if with it being a monthly series by uh, citing, story arcs you know issue numbers and what have you that that actually showed you where the changes that they were making take place in that issue would would have been instituted otherwise so yeah i think they even do that in in this with um wendigo there where it mm-hmm. shows logan and everything so you know if you wanted to check out what actually happened there you go there's your reference point you know, so you you now have a fun project after you read that what if <laughs> But anyway, I love homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, when it comes to reading comic books, is it really homework? Yeah. Nope. fun work. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's almost it's eleven, so I think we should wrap things up. Unless yeah. uh, you have anything else there, Brandon? No, I'm I'm good, man. Thanks for uh for you know reading the comic and and you know let let me do this with you guys here. This is awesome. Yeah, sure. Fun read. Yeah. Always always welcome, buddy. Both of you. Absolutely. Oh. We'll wrap it up. I want to uh, actually, Brandon, this is going to be your show. So uh, why don't you uh, sign us off? Oh, sure. Um, hey, everybody. I'm powerful. Brandon, uh, you know, this is comics paradox. You've been listening to, uh, you know, you can check us out pretty much anywhere. Fine podcast or broadcast. Uh, just want to follow me on social media i'm uh, on twitter at brandon's powers and instagram uh th- at this brandon has powers and uh let's let's hand it off to some of these other guys here uh hey hey rich why don't you why don't you say peace out to everybody uh, good buddy velvet joke hey uh well first of all thanks for having us on tonight and uh though for those that don't know uh we are on a show called splash pages uh, which is also on the dorkening podcast network i'm uh, rich davis aka velvet joker uh you can find me on Instagram at Velvet Joker 2021 or on TikTok at Velvet Joker One. Uh, I highly suggest you guys check out the Splash Pages YouTube site. Um, please hit that subscribe button because it helps us. You don't necessarily have to watch every video, but if you just hit that, it helps us. If you want to help, hit it, the button. Do a flip, circle around three times, and then smash that button. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And uh, Mr. Drew Mallo, what's going on with you, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> I like I like how you've, you've laid your head down on a pillow with the blanket pulled up over your nose and 
Uh, wearing aviators to bed? <laughs> it's his weekend at Bernie's impression. <laughs> um, hi, everybody. We had a great time tonight. I'm on some social medias. I'm very special <laughs> person. Sorry. And uh, yeah, I'm tired, man. Like, Justin, take it away. Yeah, we figured it out. Yeah, Justin, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my name is Sinestro, and uh, I'm the Magenta uh, Green Lantern. Uh, <laughs> No, uh, check check me out on the Dorkening. You can you can find me on Facebook, Justin Cooper. Um, check out Epic Shells if you like Ninja Turtles. Everything there. It's a big positive turtle community. Lots of great stuff going on. Um, and check out Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast, as well as the Dork Knight and uh, Comics Paradox, all on the Dorkening. Nice. Yeah. Mr. Leo. And uh, yeah, for me, just Google Leo Pond. Uh, you know, I, I'm working on enough people to hate me that you need to like form <laughs> your own Legion of Doom. So if you want to join that, <laughs> head on over to the dorkening.com. Uh, you know, uh, we got tons of shows on the network, a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. So you can find all the latest episodes there for everything. And uh, with that, we will uh, catch you guys later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.